And here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 164 of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm your usual fellow host. Uh, and with me today, because Mr. Combo number five is watching the sports ball, I believe, in Denver this weekend uh, with his uh, lovely wife, uh, Mrs. Combo number five, a few other people. We have another special episode for everyone. So we are joined with longtime listener, uh, longtime uh, lurker, and active member of our Discord community. We are here with the one, the only, the Cameron, the Treat Folklord. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Big Tuck. It's good to be here. Yeah, good to have you. We are uh, also, I forgot to do a little bit of this too for the kids back home. So, so here, so here we are. How are you today? I know that you you normally work nights, so this is kind of like your this is like your early morning, right? Or no, this is like your late night, like ten p.m. game of magic, right? This is like my uh, I would be asleep right now. <laughs> okay. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you not only keeping up and staying awake, but also uh, enjoying me with a delicious beer. Uh, what are you drinking? I, was that a Red's Apple Ale? Yeah, so I, I'll have to be completely honest with you, Big Tuck. I do not like beer. What? <laughs> but I do like ciders. Uh, I'm more okay. of an Angry Orchard kind of guy. They, uh, yeah. I just love the way Angry Orchard tastes. Uh, but I did decide to go for a Red's hard apple cider today. Well, and it, it tastes pretty good. Well, I appreciate it. I, you know, like. I I know you'll have a hard time believing this, but at some point in my life I didn't drink. And actually I didn't start drinking until I was in college. And I remember like the first beer I ever had was a red stripe. So I was like, oh, this is just what beers taste like, right? They're kind of sweet. Uh in Jamaica, evidently they use red stripe and like their root beer floats. And then I went to college and had like a Miller Light. I was like, <laughs> like this is what people like, and now here we are. Now it's uh, 11.30 on a Saturday, and I'm having this Alpenstuf Das Bier des Burge uh, off my off my uh, my advent calendar. So are you a wine guy? What's your, what's your uh, you know, everyone's got their thing. Some people are really into coffee. For those who play in the home game, this was almost going to be like beans and brewing. Uh, we were going to do it about coffee, which is funny because Mr. Combo doesn't really drink coffee. But what's your, like, what's your favorite, like, beverage of choice? Uh, outside of like water, which you need to survive. I mean, to be fair, I do love water. I drink. Yeah, there's, a lot wrong, of it. there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but if if we want to stay on alcohol, uh, so like it was one of those things where did did your parents or ever like let you sip a beer when you were little or something yeah. like that? Just have yeah, like definitely. a little taste of it. It's a uh, my parent. Well, specifically, my mom has always really been into beer. Uh, she loves IPAs and stuff, and she'll let oh. me sip. Uh, she'll let me just take a tiny little sip of beer. Hated it every single yeah. time without every fault. <laughs> so it's like <clears throat> even when I was in like high school and stuff, it's not like I was sitting there like sneaking beers or anything like that. Yeah. So I wasn't like that. But I think uh, the first – it was like I dove head straight into alcohol. I think it was okay. like when I was uh, – like 18 uh my friend yeah. was my best friend was doing a new year's party and his mom just left the house she was like you can invite people over i do not care what you do and we we're like oh wow awesome i went straight into the hard liquor i what, love like vodka. Or... I will... 
vodka. I love vodka. vodka. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I was drinking. I was doing. I was doing like. I was doing like vodka gummy bears and stuff, like Jello <gasps> shots, all kinds of things. Sure. I got absolutely slammed. But, nice. Uh, but yeah, that... I do like whiskeys and uh, yeah. bourbons, and like I'm kind of more in that realm. Gotcha. Yeah. Then like pounding beers, it's good. Yeah, I think that's probably healthy, uh, <laughs> at least from a calorie <laughs> perspective. But healthy. enough about enough, <laughs> enough about that. I actually didn't drink last night for the first time in like a week. And I like woke up this morning. And I was like, that's weird. I feel like I can form a coherent thought. My pee doesn't smell horrible. And also I like got out of bed at a reasonable time. So I really have something around that. But anyways, we're, this is in fact a magic, the gathering podcast, perhaps one of the premier ones out there. So let's talk a little about that, about that. So obviously, you know, you know, the game. Well, um, I see your stack of play mats that you have back there, which are, which is your true addiction in the game. Uh, the- took notice of that <laughs> yeah yeah so so let me ask you this why do you like play that so much and how many of them do you think you have uh, that's a hard question to answer i think it's i think it's one of those things where i just see the play mat well i think a lot of it comes from the artwork i love sure, yeah uh, i love magic artists uh i adore them whenever i go to like a event like magic fest or something i immediately go to the artist station before nice. anything else i skip all the events all the trading <laughs> stations i'm at the artist station buying play mats right away okay uh but yeah, I mean, I just love magic art. And when I see this nice, lovely yeah. uh, two foot by one foot play mat that just has the art blown up on it, uh, especially when you can get like special variants or whatever like that or yeah. anything like that, it's just it just clicks for me. You know, it's it it's not like I can give a real specific reason. I just see okay. it and I know I like it. So how many do you think you're at right now? I'm over 200. Wow. That's insane. And like, I know, and like, you always find deals and stuff. So do you, do you like, how do I say this? Obviously you can't use, well, hmm. how how do I phrase this? So I don't sound so like, that's a lot, right? That's a lot to play in a game yeah. magic. So are there some that you use like regularly? Do you rotate them out every time you go to your LGS or you go on stream or do some, or is it more of them are just like some collector's pieces? Are there any that you like want to get framed and hang so that you don't get damaged? Like what's your use of those? Cause that's a lot, that's a lot of playing that line around. So I do in fact, rotate through them. I use every play mat okay. at least once I rotate them. Every time I go to the LGS, every time I play over spell table, like anytime I play a game of nice. magic, I'm rotating my play mats out to get maximum usage out of all of them. So I do play with them. Okay. And, uh, right now, uh, I'm about to actually move out of this house either oh. the end of this month or next month. And so the reason they're all in a stack right now is because I just need to get them ready to move. Yeah. Uh, right. When I move into the new house and I have my own, like more space for all my magic stuff, I plan on tracking down. It's a multiple companies, including ultra pro made like, you know, you know, like what a top loader is for a card, right? Yeah. 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 They made top loaders for play mats. Right. Mr. Combo has them in the back in the, in his basement as well. Right. And you can like hang them. They like sell hangers for them as well, right? Yes. Okay, cool. And uh, 
yeah, I plan on tracking down some of those because they're actually kind of surprisingly hard to find now. And oh, yeah. uh, the ones that are my absolute favorite to just like the, with the art that's on them, those are getting hung up while the rest yeah. of them are just going to stay in a rotation. Sure. So that's, that's your, that's your play mat, obviously. How long do you think you've been playing magic? Um, and then what got you into commander specifically? Uh, so I used to tell people I got into magic with return to Ravnica, but I, I think it's a little more accurate to say core set 2013, which is still oh, okay. 2012. Yeah. But right. I, it's, I got into the game with just like literally a box of what you would probably consider draft chaff. Sure. Yeah. Uh, from probably since I got the box in 2012, uh, it probably had about, uh, from like, I think it went back to fifth on. So it was like, mostly oh, wow. modern okay. legal stuff yeah yeah uh so i mean for like my first year of magic it was nothing but kitchen table stuff uh right and then when i really started to get more into it was with theros uh my mm -hmm. favorite set uh that's when i started playing actual standard and going to my lgs yeah. for friday night magic and then for commander uh i didn't start with the 2015 pre-cons but I right. think I started in 2015 at the beginning of the year making, I think I was literally just copying the average deck off of EDH rec is how I yeah, started right, right, commander. Right. And then the 2015 pre-cons came out and that kind of like cemented, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a commander player. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, I, I first started playing, I think I first started playing, I think my reintroduction to the game came back out around then. Cause I think when I was in China, is when Theros came out because I remember that's what I played when I played like drafts and stuff in China. And then around that same time is when my friend, friend of the Cascudi Shuffles got me Prosh, which was from the second run of Commander, I think, in 2015, right? Because the 2015 ones was like Prosh, um, Nekuzar. I can't remember the, the other three. But it was the one like no, after Talia uh, and the Mimeoplasm and everything, right? Uh, so the original set was 20. I might be slight. No, I think I'm actually right on this. I think the original set was 2011, and then I believe they skipped 2012. Right. So Prosh would have been in 2013, because 2014 was the first Planeswalkers as commanders. Oh, those are the that 20, was the five monocolors, right? Like Dereni, Teferi, Obnixilis, uh, the white Lithomanther, Lithomanther chick, and then Fraley's, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great sets. <laughs> still, still great. <laughs> I saw Still my great. We're just talking I mean, about that. twenty. I mean, twenty fifteen was my first precons, and that was the experience counter. So I got married, oh. which is just an absolute banger at the time. Yeah, that pre that precon was nuts. <laughs> which one, Marin? Yeah, like it. Like they just straight yeah. up put like soccer tribe elder and like some of the staple cards right into the precon. It was yeah. ready to go. <laughs> I think. I think in like the history magic, I think the precons that are like. The strongest ones that to me that jump out of the box, like Marin's definitely up there. Um, and then Prost, like the what, like the I'm sure there's a bunch that we could like go through and have like a whole litigation of this. But like, I think like the most recent example, would you agree, would be like Prosper? Like, I feel like that out of the box is just so fucking strong. Uh, yeah, I, th I think Prosper was a really strong pre con. Uh, and then uh, you've mentioned this before on another episode, like AZ and Lathril are both also really great yeah. straight out of the box. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, laterals. Oh, yeah. The L, those both are so good. Oh, uh, God, and, I hate and in terms so, of like, in terms of upgrading that AZ precon, like you can literally slap twenty dollars worth of cards into it, and that thing yeah. is off to the races. Like, I think it is well, insane. When, when we did the laterals, the elves one, right? When we did our when we did our precon challenge, we were like, no one can choose lateral. It's too strong. It's too strong out of the. It's like goes against the idea of like a budget. <laughs> it's like it's too strong, right? Like it can it can keep up so well. So. Uh, what's your, so obviously there's yeah. a lot of pre-cons, like we had, we had a bunch of different decks to talk about today. What would you say is like your, your style? Like if we had to go to like Ch Timmy, was it Timmy, Johnny and Spike? Like what, what, what style do you generally fit into? And then what's your favorite, like kind of color combination specifically within commander? Uh, so I'm not much of a combo player, and I yeah. don't think I would call myself a Spike, but I don't think I can call myself a Timmy either because I'll right. is, I don't like I don't really like free spells that much. I do not like fast mana that kind of stuff. I like to play a nice like eight plus turn game of Commander, right. but I still like to build really efficient decks. I think that run just like good quality right. cards with great like mainly just like really great synergy. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'm probably closer to a Johnny in that regard still. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had to pick one. Uh, and over the years, I've kind of found uh, two things, found out two things about myself. One, I, I really like tokens. I, I finally okay. accepted it. I f there was like a while going on where I was like, oh, I don't want to build two decks that are too similar. So I didn't yeah. want a bunch of token decks. I've given up on that. If there is a commander that does anything remotely token related, I'm looking at it now. Okay. <laughs> and two, I like being the person with removal. I like being the person that leaves up mana. And since you know I put like 14 pieces of removal on all my decks, yeah, I have right. to make you... Like, I have to keep you on your toes the entire game. I like being that person. Hell yeah. Um, and I noticed that, like, definitely within your within the deck we're talking about today, which is going to be a really interesting pick. But before we get into that, let me get into, first off again, thank you for being on the show. And let's get into uh, how this thing actually works. So, I'm going to, and you will now be able to see directly behind the scenes where I have to read this, even though we've read this a hundred times, every single time, because we forget. So, Brews and Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32, the 12 themes of EDH decks, season three brought a lot of different flavor. And now for season four, we have a Patreon's deck that will be entered into the CMC game. So for those who don't know, this will compromise of taking one of our patrons decks, in this case, Cameron's, uh, both hosts picking one favorite card of each CMC to discuss. And this one has zero, which is kind of an odd pick, but we'll discuss that when we get to it, up through seven. So a lot of options here. <laughs> and then uh, in addition, we'll also have three cards to cut, but then have to add a CMC less than the cut card, a CMC that's equal to the cut card, and a CMC that's greater than the cut card itself. So well, without further ado, let's get brewing. So uh, I reached out to Cameron earlier this week, and he sent over a few handfuls of, of, of decks over for me to choose. And I decided to go with one that I think... I think is probably maybe the best version of this sort of build that I could come up with, which we'll get into the cuts, but he sent over Kit Canto token mayhem for my wife. So uh, let's start at the top. Cameron, why don't you read Kit Canto mayhem diva? 
and then walk me through a little bit of like where, where the deck got created, obviously uh, why it was created and uh, what your what your kind of goal was in building it. Yeah, so Kit Kanto uh, cost one generic, a red, green, and a white for a 3-3 cat bar druid. Uh, whenever she enters the battlefield, you create a 1-1 green and white citizen creature token. Then, at the beginning of combat on each player's turn, you may tap two untapped creatures you control. When you do, target creature that player controls gets plus two, plus two, and gains trample until end of turn. Goad that creature. Nailed it. Yeah, so... uh yeah it's for a while i was just kind of like trying to get my wife more into magic uh sure and we're kind of just playing around with more budget decks i do like to build budget decks so i was just like uh like i started her with like a golta like very basic deck and then i bumped her up a few to like salvalahar the wilds and now her core deck is lateral but oh, it was God. a budget lateral deck. <laughs> I, I know. She, it's whatever, Jeez, you know. Jesus. You're leading her down the wrong path, Cameron. You're teaching her evil. But uh, I've, I, one day she just was like, I was like, hey, you want to come to the card shop with me? She was like, sure. So she actually came up just, uh, to actually play at the card shop. And I was like, cool. Uh, but after the, playing up there, I mean, she had a pretty decent time and everything, but she was like, uh, Cameron, I really want like a stronger deck because the lateral deck, like the lateral deck was still good, but it was budget yeah. and all the decks at the card chopper, like 500 people with like $500, you know? <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. Which is like funny. Like now I think that's like what close to the mean, like four to $500 is kind of close to the <laughs> average, like LGS deck. Right. Which is kind of insane. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I was like, okay, honey, uh, I will just let you look through a whole list of commanders. You pick out one you're interested in. I will build a good deck for that commander. Nice. Uh, so she actually went through a lot of the. I think it was Nuka Pinna was around this time this was happening. So yeah. I got the precons. So she went through the Kit Canto precon. And she was like, this one. <laughs> Oh, okay, cool. I was just gonna ask. Like this, this, this looks like it's an upgraded precon deck, kind of, right? I mean, the deck is five hundred and sixty-five dollars, so <laughs> I yeah, think it's so a bit more than an upgraded precon. Just an upgraded precon, but it did start. You you started with the shell of the precon, right? Like you yeah, had I the mean, precon there are in still hand. Pre- there, there are still precon cards in there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, here's my real question: is is the reason why? your wife really like this is because she likes just like me big tuck she's a big fan of those kitty cats uh she is in fact a fan of the kitty cats yeah. <laughs> oh uh, thank god she was a little sad when I told her that it wasn't going to be Cat Tribal, but I assured her that I was going to put Ginny Faye in the deck nice oh, I'm not talking about Jenny Faye. I don't know if spoiler, you are. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm not either. Spoilers. I've talked about that way too spoilers, much. Spoilers. But I... 
Yeah, but I did put Jenny Faye in there, and I was like, okay, if you get Jenny Faye out, you can turn yeah. all the tokens in the cats if you want. <laughs> and now it's like now it's like the, all the tutors and everything. All we're doing is just getting Jenny Faye. <laughs> it's like the sneaky backup <laughs> backup uh, commander to it. Um, so uh, she came for she came around that idea. So you said that you you added some things into it to try try to make it a little bit more powered. When you were like kind of looking at cards to add, what what direction did you did you go with? Right, because this, I think, you know, a lot of token decks kind of feel similar, but I think that kit that I think that kit Canto allows you kind of a little bit more room to build in a, in a different and some different token strategy. So, was there a specific one that you kind of picked up on, or a specific ability that you really wanted to go with, um, and started adding in cards to go towards that, or do you just kind of add in cards that you thought would be like standard upgrades with some spiciness in there as well? Yeah, so I found uh, Kit Kanto's second ability to be fairly interesting, where you're yeah. at the beginning of each combat. You can tap two of your creatures to uh, buff a, the current turns player's creature and goad it. And so I was like, well, like you want to be able to do that every combat, right? right. So you need to just keep having uh, cre untapped creatures available to tap. So I was like, well... Uh, instead of just doing straight up tokens, I wanted to toss in some untapped synergy, which mm -hmm. I thought would make the deck uh, stand out a little more from like a standard token build is all yeah. this untapped stuff. I'm not going to name specific cards because I might talk about some. I figure yeah, I might, might too, talk yeah. about at least one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I try to get some untapped shenanigans in here. So I played into that a little bit. So, uh, but I still have like some, you know, the big haymakers that you see in typical yeah. token decks like uh this deck's swinging for the fences it is it is and like and i think this like in my first view of it so my history and one of the reasons why i wanted to go with this is that naya is my least favorite color combination in the history of magic i've Me tried too. about seven different decks including hazazon tomorrow which was like the ultimate naya token enabler and i'm not liked any of them and uh, I was like, let's go with this, like pretty much sight unseen, just to see if you can convince me that this is a viable strategy. And I'm not going to lie, when I was going through this, I think it, I think this is it. I think this is kind of like, in the same way, I had a similar experience with single Aeron's Minsk and Boo deck being like, this is the Gruul deck, right? I've never seen a Gruul deck that's, be that's better than this. I think the card selection is really interesting. When I was going through with this, I, I really felt that way about it. Um, and if you look through the stats of it, I think there's some it's, there's some really interesting things that you did here. So, like you said, on Moxfield currently it's about four hundred twenty five dollars, which is kind of in the range of most seven plus decks that you kind of need here. Uh, from a mana production value, you have forty four percent white, twenty percent red, fifty five percent green, and your your production is about fifty three percent white, forty five percent red, and about sixty one percent green. I'm guessing. Like most green decks, you've never really had a problem with color fixing. It's never really been a problem, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's like I I get I, I went all out on her mana base out like everything but uh you know fetch lands because yeah I, I try to mint like I'm not trying to like rag on my wife or anything, but I try to <laughs> minimize her time digging through her library. Uh, right. Uh, <clears throat> she well yeah she has a hard time shuffling the decks because you know they're 100 card sure. gigantic monstrosities so but like still you know I, I gave her extremely solid land base yeah. uh and then you know you just got the typical green ramp stuff in here that would just get you the colors you need exactly uh, from her playing then, it from me playing it and play testing it no problems nice 
Uh, and then the only other thing of note, too, is that it's got a really good CMC, I think, for this kind of level of deck. It's a, it's 1.89 with lands and 2.97 without lands. Um, I always think the one with lands is kind of a stupid metric, but the a two, so it's under a three mana curve. Uh, and that's actually even surprising considering that you do have a fair amount of things that are four, five, six, and seven. Uh, do you feel like, how do you, do you feel like this is a deck that does go that like eight rounds, uh, in, in the ring and then it starts kicking off? Or do you kind of feel like, where do you, where do you think that, what stage of the game do you feel like this deck kind of takes off, takes off with it? Uh, I, it really, so this is like one of those kind of decks where there's like, kind of like engines in it. If you know yeah. what I'm talking about, like you, like sure. you assemble like a certain combinations of cards, and they all just start feeding into each other, and it's like this deck kind of has like a multiple engines it can construct. So like if your starting hand just straight up has an engine in it, that's gonna be like a much faster game than if you're just keeping like a yeah. more modest starting hand and you're just kind of like seeing what you draw into. Uh, yeah. So it it can vary, but it really just depends on like what kind of like. Uh, big hitters you get in that starting hand and get rolling with right off the bat right. well and i think like I, th I think another thing i like about it from like a from like a thousand point a thousand foot view is that there's a lot of like it, it doesn't feel like this deck just loses cold to a board wipe right like i think that this deck like a lot of token decks you kind of build and build and build and then like someone board wipes you and you're just it's over right you're just like all right well i guess i'm just like out of this game until i either rebuild or draw I think, like you were saying, that like you have a good mix of cards that have interactions with tokens, that generate tokens, or that you don't even need tokens to run with, right? So I feel like it looks it looks on the face like much more resilient than like the Naya decks that I'm used to playing, uh, and maybe it's just because I'm bad at building them. Yeah, and it's uh, we might end up talking about some of them, but you may notice that there's actually quite a few instant speed ways to create tokens. Yeah. So it could really just be like uh, someone board wipes, and then at the end of someone's turn, you're like, okay, and I have a board again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Cool. Well, I like I said, I think we should just get into it, right? We got a lot of got a lot of cards to talk about here. So without further ado, let's get into it. But before that. Uh, let me run our first ad. So we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash CMD tower. Uh, obviously Cameron is, is one of our, one of our longest patrons. So we really appreciate your support, but, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that come with, with, uh, Patreon. You obviously get a, an entry gift, usually depending on what tier you're in. Uh, also you get access to our Discord. You get access. We're starting to do more patron streams or having more patrons on our guests. Uh, we're getting them on SCRs to come and hashtag get handed. So really, we, we really appreciate it. Obviously, um, if it's a financial burden in any way, shape, or form, please don't <laughs> please don't feel like you have to do this, but we do appreciate it. It helps us get microphone stands and that sort of thing. Um, and as a patron, you get to come on and talk about this with some fat guy in North Carolina. So there you go. Just think of it. Also, it's, it's big talk. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you noticed, but there's been a certain renaissance going on in the Discord recently. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's 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 been it's been going crazy, and I honestly just think it's from SD Sharpie and like you said, up front marketing Ross are really getting in there and, and chopping it up. So I've been I I I have Mr. Com and I both. This is our apologies to all of our listeners. It's been very busy seasons of life for both of us, but we're both really gonna try to get back in there so and and get more interactive with you guys. So it is fun, and like and you were saying, you've played a lot of games. With people on the on the um, battlegrounds uh, section, right? 
Uh, yeah, primarily I would say uh, marketing Ross, SD Sharpie, and Leia Good old LZ. Mm. Shout out! Uh, shout out to LZ. So anyway, like we like 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 I said, it's Patreon.com/slash/CMDTower, um, and like and we appreciate it. But if not, if 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 you if it's not financially we're gonna work out for you guys, we totally understand. But you can always like, share, subscribe, and smash that subscribe button if you're watching this on YouTube, which you won't be because I don't think we're gonna post it there. So let's get into it. Um, now there is a little bit of controversy right out the gates at the zero drops because. Each one of these zero drops in here can be cast for zero, but their mana value is decidedly not that, which I think is kind of funny in the way that Moxfield codes these, right? Well, okay, this is hilarious. So obviously we we actually just didn't talk about the deck at all before the show, and I was yes. really curious what you were going to think when you looked at my deck list. That is not Moxfield's fault that it's like that. That is my fault. What?! <laughs> So you can actually go in and manually change the mana values of cards oh. in your deck. <laughs> I like I hate I I never like talking about decks before we get on in any detail for things like this. So for example, I'll I'll go first. Um, and that's that's actually hysterical because I was wondering about that. I was like, is this a bug or am I missing something here? So that's that's awesome. You could go through and edit that. So the one that I have. Uh, as a spoiler alert, one side of this card can be paid for free, but the other one cannot. And are we are are we matching on this? Do you think or no? Uh, I don't believe we're matching. Okay, so I'll go into it. Uh, a Marius call, I think, is a really really solid inclusion in here. Uh, four colas, triple white on the front for a sorcery. It's a mythic rare for. It's a mythic. For about five dollars, um, and you can create two. It's a sorcery. Create two four-four white angel warrior creature tokens with flying. Non-angel creatures you control gain indestructible until your next turn. And then it flips over for um, Amiria Shattered Skyclave. It ETBs. It, when it ETBs, you can pay three life. If you don't, it comes into the battlefield tapped, and it taps for a planes. So obviously, I feel like there's tons of synergy with this in the deck, right? This is a card that also that kind of acts as both a uh, hops and a potential yeast for you, right? If you feel like there's a board wipe about to come, you can plop it down there. Uh, if if you just kind of want to rebuild your board, you can do it there. I'll be a little inefficiently. Uh, I like this. I like this card a lot in this deck and kind of in most decks, which we'll get to shortly. But have you had any like really cool interactions with this card or any big blowouts, anything along those lines? So I'm in general just a super big fan of the MDSCs as in the card rising. At, like at this point, I think all my decks just have at least like two in them. <laughs> I was just gonna ask. So my my question to this is like, I, I think the the white ones are the ones that are the most mixed in uh, in a bag, right? Like obviously like Malakir Rebirth, Glasspool, uh, Mimic. Another card you have down later in the list are you see those a little bit more often. Do you feel that Amiria's Call is strong enough to be put into like most white decks, if not you know all of them? Uh, now I will say, uh, I want to actually stand up for the white MDFCs. Uh, those are actually oh. my favorite ones because you get okay. Sajiri Shelter, uh, which if you're just playing a deck where you want to protect, uh, yeah. like a key creature, like your commander, solid one, being that target creature gains protection from the color of your choice for two mana. Great. And the other one is actually Ondu Inversion, 
which is to destroy all non-land permanents. It's kind of oh cool yeah, land has the option to just be a board white, right? Uh, but yeah, uh, a Marius call. It's I th- like part of me wants to say yes, just throw it in all your white decks. Uh, but I don't think you have to. Okay. But I will say, I think if you're playing a very creature combat focused deck, I think it's worth considering because the key note on the card is that it says uh, your non-angel creatures gain indestructible until your next turn. Right. So, like, like that just allows you to just cast it on your main phase one, move to combat, just swing, and now you're just like, and I'm good on board wiped until my next right. turn, and then I can just swing again. And plus, that protects them for that combat, too. So right. it's like, you get protection on your combat, you get protection from board wipes, you get these two four fours with flying that are now blockers and will attack on your next turn. It's, it's honestly just pretty yeah. solid if you're looking to swing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really solid pick across the board. So we, there are two other ones. Which one did you go with? Uh, I went with uh, March of the Multitudes. Yes, uh, very for, good. For an X, a green, white, white, this is an instant, and it has Convoke, so your creatures can help pay for the cost of this spell, and it's just Create X-1-1 one, one White Soldier Creature Tokens with Lifelink. Uh, yeah, this is just a perfect example. I like how I mentioned earlier, we're also going to have some untapped shenanigans. It's very yeah. likely that the end of one's turn, you're just going to have a ton of untapped creatures, and you're just going to go from like, oh yeah, you know, I have some cute engine pieces set up and like a decent board, and it's like, I'm now going to double or maybe even triple my board size, right. and then I'm going to play some bomb on my next turn, swing out. It's just going to be out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the fact I think the fact this is instant speed is also like critical, right? Like if you know that you're short, like you're short creatures, but you really want to get your Kit Kanano going on, you can easily do it at the end of your turn as kind of like a surprise, or like before someone goes into their combat step and you only dump six into it, right? If you're untapped, now you're pretty much gonna have enough to be able to tap your creatures for the rest of the turn, assuming you're playing four. So I, I like the fact that it's it's got that modality to it. Um, or this can also just be like hey guys like don't come at me like if you do i got piles of blockers and they're just like okay fine like we won't even try and you're like well it sucks to be you i'm gonna march the multitudes x is 25 or whatever it boils down to when you have your millions of tokens out right i think the last time i played it it was for like x is 15 or something like that (laughs) (laughs) i will say just a preface uh probably should have said this earlier i built this for my wife but i do personally enjoy this deck a lot i do play this oh, okay deck. nice mark yeah. and ross has been a victim of this deck before <laughs> and what got run over uh actually he was playing his mogus deck and Oof. i had to turn three aura shards against him that he could not get rid of yikes <laughs> yikes is right that card is uh, i hate aura shards i don't want to get into it um, it's just another reason why I don't like Naya. But anyways, that's that's gonna clear out the zeros. I, I hate it. Oh, I ahead. hate it too. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I, I hate it too. But since I made this deck for my wife, I just wanted to give her like something good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's insanely good. So that's clear. So that clears out the that clears out the zeros. Let's go into the ones. We have seven choices here. Uh, why don't you pick the one? What, what was the one that jumped out to you in this one? So I think out of all the mana values in this deck, I think one is probably the most boring to talk about for this deck. 
yeah. and I actually have two I think I could talk about. So I want I actually want you to pick off of this. Okay. Do you want me to do the one that is opinionated, or do you want me to just pick the one? <laughs> I want you to do the one that's opinionated because I think there's one in here that not only not only is significantly better than the others, but also has a deep, long history of being hated on this channel. And you've been listening long okay. enough. You've been listening long. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's that one, right? All right, ready. Uh, that's uh, not I'll, the one I'm talking about. I, I I had a feeling you were gonna go for it, so I didn't. Damn it! Okay, so that's you. I I I. I'm, I I'm, I'm playing you, you, here. <laughs> you baited you baited that one you baited that one out of me. What is what is your pick knowing now knowing now what mine is likely going to be? Actually, so my opinion made one. I'm just going to just going to say it. I hate soloring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh I I, th I just hey, if I could ban one card right now, it would be soloring. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's the one. Uh, and what so for the people who are the people who are who don't know what Soul Ring does, do you mind explaining it to them and maybe why it's good? Oh, of of course, yeah. <laughs> Soul Ring uh, is one generic mana for an artifact that taps for two colorless mana. <laughs> the efficiency of it, the gate, the the, the card efficient. that the card that solidified Commander is a format. If you say ban it. Yeah, I just don't like it because I feel like it is super game warping. Uh, I feel like when yeah. someone plays, like, I know the usual argument is like, oh, you know, someone plays a turn one soul ring, the rest of the table is just going to uh, respond to it, you know, with yeah, aggression. Right. But to me, it's like, well, that's kind of my point, is that turn one soul ring has now turned this from a game of commander into a possible game of arch enemy. And I didn't right, sit yeah, down for, sure. for a game of arch enemy, I sat down for a game of commander. Uh, I just think Soul Ring is very game warping, uh, game warping. But at the same time, if you're going to your LGS, you can't just convince everyone there to not run Soul Ring. So right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I feel the same way, and I've started. I've kind of started using that idea to be like, if I open with Soul Ring in my opener, like I'll look at my hand. I'll be like, okay, if I play this turn one, how far ahead can I actually get? And if the answer is like a turn two commander, then it's like, that's probably worth the risk. But a lot of times I'll just sandbag it and just be like, nope, I'm just going to play a tap land, scry one and move on, move on to my next turn. And the next turn be like, oh, look what this is. Soul ring, you know, like maybe go into a mana dwarf or something. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. I and also actually I, I can back that up in this deck a, a little bit is because Kit Kanto is only one generic in her mana cost and right. requires three colored mana. So a turn one Soul Ring in this deck doesn't even get you a turn two commander. Sure. It just gets you a turn one target on your forehead, right? I, exactly. And like I think, yeah, I, I think banning Soul Ring is an interesting argument because there's been so many decks that are, you have your, like as Mr. Kamala calls it, your 101st card where you're like, this card's really cute and I like it. But it's just like it's just outside of the realm, like just just a second outside of the realm of what this deck wants to do, you know. Um, and I think it's like I think banning Soul Ring or trying that out would be interesting. To be like, okay, like what's another card that I had that would be fun as opposed to this thing that just goes in every commander deck, right? 
Yeah, I actually really like that point a lot. It's like, yeah, it's every every deck has soul ring. Ninety nine point nine nine percent of decks have soul ring in it. It's like right. if you just cut that out of every deck, suddenly that one hundred and first card has a chance now. Exactly. So I I I didn't go with that one. Obviously, <clears throat> the one I went with was for those who've been listening. Uh, redacted, redacted commander, redacted deck. Back when Squee McGee was still on the channel, he has since taken this de- taken this deck apart, which was shocking. Oh, but he did. Yeah, he he only has one deck now. He 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 kind of had to, he sold a bunch of his cards off um, for studio equipment. I'm pretty sure. But Reese the Redeemed is no more. So one uh, one green white hybrid mana for a legendary creature elf warrior. That's a one one for about four dollars and thirty five cents. And it has two activated abilities, two colorless, and a hybrid green-white. Tap, put a 1-1 green and white elf warrior creature token into play. More importantly for this deck, four colorless, green and white, green-white, tap. For each creature token you control, put a token into play as a copy of that creature. Uh, I hate this card. I have never liked it ever since I saw it played. Whether Squee McGee did it or someone else, it's maybe my least favorite commander to sit down across from. However, I do think that this is probably the biggest impact player in the one slot because that second ability probably will just outright outright win you the game pretty damn close, if not every time you get to activate it. I'm guessing, right? Have you ever seen this? Have you ever been able to pull that off? Or do people just kill this immediately when they see it with perhaps a lightning bolt? Uh. I've actually never gotten to play uh, Reese yet, and I, this isn't the first deck I put them in either. I've had them in decks in the past because I've built other Slesna token decks, uh, you know, years ago. I've just never been able to sure. uh, play them really. And, but I will say, oh, no. I, someone in my someone in my play group does have a Reese the Redeem deck, and uh, yeah, if you just leave him alone a little bit too long, and he just accrues a bunch of mana. Uh, it it usually starts happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's brutal. Uh, I I hate I hate it, but I I had to bring it up for for my homeboy. Pour one out for him. The squeeze of the McGee's. Uh, well, that'll wrap up the ones. The twos is where it really opens up. We got a lot of options here in a seventeen. Um, I'm gonna go first. This is a card that I think came in this pre-con, and it's got an X in the ability, but I think it's so strong that you don't even need to cast it with the X a lot of times just to use it. And the X almost becomes like a kicker when I look at this. All right, we did not match. We did not? Okay, cool. So I want to talk about Grand Crescendo. So this card is super good. X uh, and white, white for an instant. It's a rare from New Capenna Commander for about five bucks. Uh, One of my friends here from Charlotte pre-ordered one for about $15. So he kind of ate his hat on that. Uh, so it says X create X one, one green and white creature citizen creature tokens, which is good. It's efficient, right? It's like a secure the waste, but probably better. Uh, but more importantly, no matter what you put into X creatures, you control gain indestructible in a turn. I think outside of flawless maneuver, this is the most efficient way in white to get that ability at instant speed, right? If you have the mana, it's kind of, it's, it's a very similar, I assume that in this deck, this card is played a lot like March of the multitudes, you have the mana up and you're ready to go with it if you need, if there's a surprise board wipe at sorcery speed. But if you have a bunch of mana left over, you're like, okay, cool. I'm just going to create a bunch of creatures. And then when you try to go on my commander with, you know, pinging damage or something like that, I get like protection from that as well, right? I feel like this card and a two drop is really, really modal. Yeah, it's like, 
I, this feels like one of those cards that they're just not going to reprint anytime no. soon. And yeah. just, you know, you're going to check the price two years from now and it's going to be like, like triple what it is right now. For because sure. Because at the, like the best part is honestly at the very least you have to put you don't have to put anything in the x you just right. pay white white and you get creatures you control are indestructible but it scales with the game if you just leave exactly. open mana just extra open mana that that extra open mana turns into one one creatures and even if you don't need the indestructible uh if you have like uh one I'm, I'm not going to name any names yet, but if you have any of your, you know, board buffs or whatever sit in your hand, that is going to allow you to swing out on your next turn. Uh, just getting the creatures off of it at instant yeah. speed it can be huge. It's great. Yeah, it's it's an awesome card. Um, there's an argument going around that they're printing too many white, good white cards, which uh, I don't think is necessarily an argument that holds a lot of water. But I think this yeah. is this is definitely an emblematic of that argument, if you will. It's it's a good one. <laughs> it's a it's a good one. All right, so it's what's that was my pick for number two. We've got sixteen other options. Which one did you thought was doing a lot of work in this deck? Okay. Uh, what's funny is I I had a I had a feeling you were gonna pick Grand Crescendo or the one that I'm talking gonna talk about. So I'm okay. glad that you went with Crescendo, so I get to talk about Quest for Renewal. Oh my god, it's so good. Yes. Quest for Renewal is uh, one generic and a green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control becomes tapped, you may tapped. put a quest counter. Tapped. Not attack. You may tapped. put a quest counter on Quest for Renewal. Tapped. Very important. As long as there are four or more quest counters on Quest for Renewal, untap all creatures you control during each other player's untap step. It's insane. And this card was one I picked up when it was really, it was on the rise. I think I got this card for a dollar and now it's like what? Close to seven. No, I think it's only about three or $4 still somehow. I don't know how. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but so but yeah, yeah, this what's... card, like, well, like you said, it it's tapped, not attack is yeah. the big part here. Like, so that first off, that just directly synergizes with Kit Kanto's second ability. Uh, she allows right. you to tap your untapped creatures to goad creatures on players' turns. So, and like if you have four creatures, you finish this quest on two players' turns. Yep, with Kit exactly. Kanto. And even better, and, like it's something that I think is really cute with Kit Kanto is that this, if you do quest for renewal turn two, right? Kit Kanto play any other token enabler of which you have a million, and then Kit Kanto, she herself can tap, right? She and the citizen can tap both to trigger her ability right because it's not uh another creature yeah, you it, control right? yeah so worst exactly. case scenario like or i mean there's a lot of worst case scenarios but like let's say you play quest for renewal turn three the next turn you're almost already there right like that's why i think it's i think that magic number of four is so easily attainable in a deck like this uh, plus, I put in a f there. There's a few mana dorks in here. So if you like go turn one yeah. mana dork, uh, that I, mean, I, I like, yeah, you quite literally completed the turn you play Kit Kanto if you have a turn one mana yeah. dork because you because on turn three you'll end up tapping the mana dork that puts one counter on it. So you play Kit Kanto on turn four, you using the mana dork which puts a 
second counter on it and then you right. immediately use kit canto's ability on someone's turn and you're at four counters and now on turn four you're able to use kit canto's ability on every player's turn yeah it's great um I, I i love it like i think this is like a i think this is a really cool i like this i this untap retap shenanigans and like some of the other cards you put in here that really like tried this out which we'll get into um Actually, potentially in the next one. So going in, rounding the corner, number three, we have another 17 options here. Um, I chose the last one. Why don't you choose uh, the first one here? Yeah, I had to really think about this one. Uh, there, there's quite a there's few a three lot, drops I would have liked to talk about a here. A lot of good options. Uh, like you said, y'all, I've talked about Jenny Faye to death, so I didn't even bother looking at that one. <laughs> uh, so I went with... Uh, Something a little prosperous, perhaps. Uh, you know, it has the word prosper in it, and it does make treasures. <laughs> okay, is this is perfect, because I wanted to talk about two, and this was one of them. And I could talk about another one as well. So I'm glad I'm glad you would brought this up. I think this card's incredible. So go, awesome. go ahead. This is, this is all you. Yeah, so we're talking about prosperous partnership. For a generic, a red, and a white, this is an enchantment. This is also out of the pre-con. Uh, when Prosperous Partnership enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature tokens. Then it has tap three untapped creatures you control, create a treasure token. Yeah, bonkers. Completely bonkers. Uh, I, I and Like, leading up into, like, what we're saying with Kit Kanto, you can play this to turn before Kit Kanto, and this gets you two creature tokens right away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's super, it's super strong. Um, I think this card is really, I like, I think the thing I like the most about this card is I like the design of it, right? Like, I think it, I think it's a really like interesting design, especially in Boros. My one, my one complaint I have with it is this card is also really good in Alibu decks because you can just tap down all your artifact creatures and then swing in with Alibu, but, and it's totally legal, even though it creates a green creature token. A green and white creature token. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make it doesn't, cool. I didn't I didn't even think about it in Alibi. That's that's actually really sweet. Yeah. Exactly. Which is like that's it's funny because um this is something that like this is something that I think the yeah, the monkey the the the, the podcast just came out today. We were talking about the new monkey that's technically gruel, right? But it's not really gruel because it the it only has the reminder text of what the banana does on it, which makes it gruel. So well, and, it's not reminder text though, because it's not italicized. Sure, I agree with you, but it's not. It's like it's like a cheat, right? It's kind of like I feel like it's kind of like a cheat. I will say it does feel like a cheat. I remember when that car got spoiled. I was reading it and I was like, I know its color identity is gruel, but they have done like the cheekiest possible right. way of making yeah. it gruel. Like, I don't think there's any other card that goes to that. It's like, oh, this card creates a token, and that token is the reason yeah. this is girl because we put the we put the colored mana in the text box of this card. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's totally cheating. Like me and Mister Combo both were like making fun of that last time, but yeah, um, I like I said, prosperous partnership is just gonna you're gonna accelerate so quickly with this, right? I think being like, I I think this synergizes really well with your commander because it's hers is a may ability. Right. So if you're like, well, there's no real creature that I need to goad right now. So I'm just going to wait and tap out everything and make a bunch of make, make a bunch of treasure tokens for my next turn 
to create even more tokens and not have to worry about it, right? Yeah, and again, it synergizes with any of the untapped stuff going Absolutely. on in the deck. So if you have, you know, the quest for renewal or other cards that might get talking about, it's uh, it's just like, oh, at the end of your turn before the next player's untap, I'm just going to tap down any multiples of three creatures to make that many treasure tokens and just keep stalking them up until my next yeah. turn. Absolutely. It's great. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up uh, so I didn't have to because I want to talk about what I think is the best card in the entire deck. I think oh. it's a card. I, I think it's a card that gets you all the value you'd ever want, and also can just like let you win the game in this deck, probably shockingly easily. And that card's another new Capenna All Star, in my opinion, which is Halo Fountain. So yes. two colorless and a white for an artifact that's a mythic uh, for about three dollars and thirty cents. Uh, it's got three abilities, all of which are slam dunks in here. So uh, colorless and a tap. Tap a t untap a tap creature you control. Create a one a one one green and white creature citizen creature token. Awesome, right? Yeah. One mana for a token. It's like paying one into an X spell. Great. And it doesn't stop there though. Two colorless. Two sorry. Two white tap untap two target creatures you control. Untap two target creatures you control. Draw a card. Again, could just stop there, right? Very attainable and all that. But no, it goes one step further. Five white. Tap, untap 15 tapped creatures you control, you flat out win the game. And like, I, I have a slight argument that this is a borderline white standard in the sense of like, white doesn't really draw that many cards, but what does white do? Poop out creatures of all varietals, right? Almost every white deck is a creature deck in one way or shape or form, whether it's token, whether it's weenies, whatever the case may be, right? Um, but here, and usually like the last one is kind of like a, um, it's like an add-on, right? Like, okay, cool. Like in Magic Christmas Land, sure, I'll be able to do this. But in this deck, I think that's like having 15 creatures on the board that can be tapped through one of the myriad ways that you have to do it. I don't think that's too much to ask, to be completely honest. Like, I think that's going to be probably relatively easy. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's uh, funny enough. I think this might be my wife's favorite card in the deck. Yeah. Uh, she She read that bottom part and she was like, this just wins me the game. I'm like, yeah, it just <laughs> yeah. wins you the game. It literally just says you win the game. But like you were saying though, like it could honestly stop after the first, I would still have this card in the deck. If it was just those first two abilities, those yeah. are both just super solid. Again, plays into the untap thing. It, uh, that right. specifically that second ability untaps two creatures, which can immediately be used for Kit Kanto's ability. Exactly. Like, I, I, I think it's, I love this card. I've had one. I just never found a home for it, um, which again is like, I didn't even think about putting it into my Hazazon Tamar deck because I don't like playing that deck. Spoiler alert. But again, great inclusion. Have, 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 has it ever happened? Have you ever done it? So I've gotten to play the card. I've gotten okay. value off of it. What's just ended up happening is it has done a great job at generating the value I need it to off the first two abilities. What ends up happening is when I do have those 15 creatures, I just end up killing everyone anyways. Oh, the, game, the game's just over regardless. Yeah, it's like, I have 15 creatures on my board. I'm probably winning the game anyways. Yeah, right. So it's like, it's a little... Uh, who, um, one of the a guy I used to play with in Fort Collins drink, uh, he used to call... He would call this card... Like, he would call that ability, like, win more, right? Like, win if you have... If you're able to do that, you're probably already going to win. So it's like, why not? But again, like oh. it doesn't matter because the other two abilities on it are so good. 
Yeah, it's it's just a bonus, honestly. But yeah. it can dig you out of like a game specific hole, though. I mean, you might be playing against a like, let's say someone goes infinite and they might not have an infinite way to win, but let's say they gain infinite life. It's oh, like, sure. You know, this could be a way to get around, say that. Or even if they don't gain an infinite amount of life, they could just be playing that life gain deck that does nothing yep. but keep essentially like doubling yeah. their life total every turn. And it's like, uh, it's either it's going to take me a few turns of smacking you with as many creatures as possible, or I just win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it, or like the the Ur example for me is always someone who plays gla Glacial Chasm, right? Like, yes, yeah. you know, that's it's, it's such a pain in the ass to get rid of. So that wraps up our that's going to wrap up our, our three mana values. Um, but before we go into the fours, uh, we do want to point out that it's holiday times, right? You probably if you're listening to this podcast. Either you yourself are a magic player or you know someone who does. So if you want to head over to etsy.com slash shop slash CMD Tower or just search CMD Tower there, we have all of our lines of products up in there, which uh, again, if you're like Cameron, we do have two different kinds of play mats there, including our foil shiny one developed by Marketing Ross himself, which is a real eye catcher. It's also starting to get cold even down here in the south-ish that me and Mr. Tree Fork Lord live in. So you can pick up one of those uh, holiday sweaters if you're looking for it. All sorts of things there, Squee McGee coins, um, our sexy monarch token, that sort of thing. So head on down to etsy.com slash shop slash CMD tower, and you can pick up all your merch needs there. So moving yeah. on, we're starting to get a little bit more narrow here. So let's go into four. I'll go first. I So I think this is another pre-con card that I feel has, like, it has a lot of synergy in... The I, I feel like this has a lot of synergy in this deck, and I feel like this has a lot of synergy in any kind of Naya creature deck. Um, it's an Ogre Warrior, and it also deals with tokens in a fun way. Is this it? Are we doing it? Did I, this is how this episode's going so far, is I pretty much had a main card I picked, and then a side card that I said, I think Big Tuck will pick this is these, what, this is so what far, choose. you have... Like card for card, been picking the ones that I thought you were gonna choose. <laughs> I, so this wasn't the main card, but I had okay. a side note here that just says a rose room treasure. Big yeah. Tuck. <laughs> I, if, if any, if if anything, I am in fact, I am in fact predictable. So rose Ro rose room treasure is three colors and a red for four three ogre warrior for about seventy cents. It's rare. It has an ability called alliance, quote unquote. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control. Create a treasure token if this is the first or second time this ability uh, can be resolved this turn or has resolved this turn. Otherwise, you may pay X. When you do, Rose Room Treasure deals X damage to any target. Oh. So... Correct me if I'm wrong here. Let's say you create, you have an ability that creates three tokens, right? Even though they get created by one source, you'll still get every single trigger here, right? Correct. So you'll make one, so it'll put three Rose Room trigger, uh, right. Rose Room treasure triggers on the stack. And so mm -hmm. as they, it checks when, like when they resolve. So the first one resolves and oh, says, okay, this yeah. is the first time it's resolved, make a treasure. This is the second time, make a treasure. This is the third time. Now it's the X thing. 
Right. Which is, again, the treasures paid so well into. I was going to ask, like, I think in, there's a lot of decks that are more like, um, that deal a lot more with like, because treasures now have become like so ubiquitous, right? Like they're in, they're, they're printed on so many cards. Almost every deck has like a tertiary treasure theme, it feels like, right? So I feel like this deck necessarily doesn't, won't be hurting for mana unless you're going into one of your big X spells. So for the treasure tokens that you're creating off these different effects, like this and Prosperous Partnership, are these just ways that you're going to, are those just like you're holding on to them, they're then going to funnel into X spells or, in, or like into X abilities even like this one, right? As opposed to needing those treasures to get the rest of your synergies going, right? Yeah, with this card, I don't think you're like, needing the treasures i think what it's doing is it's just i don't i don't i have played with the card so i've, okay. I've gone to see it in action i don't think the deal x damage part is going to come into play like 90 percent of the time probably really okay yeah like, i don't think you're worried about resolving it a threat like i think it will come up but i don't think you'll end up using it that often unless you know say there's a creature on the board that you just need to get rid of and you're like okay i need to get this third trigger so i can put mana into it and kill that creature i think right. what it really does is like with these kind of token decks uh i think your more stronger turns come out when you're able to play like two impactful cards at the mm. same time and i think this just allows you to like eat like very easily stockpile tons of treasures yeah. for your next turn so that you can just drop two bombs and just go to town on someone and do, do you feel like i feel like this is a card that you have in your opener that you're like this is part of the engine right yeah i will say this is definitely like an engine card right it's not like so would you this to me feels more like this is like a, a pretty solid grain card right the way that you yeah. play it, like some decks might play it as more of a yeast or a hops card, right? Counting on that last ability to kind of deal more damage. But you would play, you're playing this as like a green card. Like I'm, I'm developing these treasures. I'm building for later turns, building then for my grand crescendo, if you will. Yeah, and actually, I'd like to take this opportunity to go into my card that I chose for the four slot because so for my four mana slot, uh. Again, there was a lot of four mana cards I wanted to talk about, uh, but I figured you're going to talk about Rose Room Treasure, so I picked Benny Brax, Zoologist. It's really good. Uh, three generic and a white uh, gets you a three-two Elf Druid with Convoke. Again, creatures help you cast a spell at the beginning of each instep. Each instep. If you yeah. created a token this turn, draw a card. Uh, right away, it's like the key words here is that it's first off, it's each end step, yeah, and two, it just says a token, not creature token, yeah, a token. So with like Rose Room Treasure, if I have any amount shenanigans going on, again, it's all part of this engine. If I can right. make at least one token on another player's turn, that is getting me an extra treasure from the Rose Room Treasure. Then that's also getting me card draw off of Benny Brax. And so by the time I get back around to my turn, I now only have like pretty much a fresh hand of cards, yeah, right. a, a ton of treasure to cast the cards with. It's like, it's, it's just great. Have you, have you seen, so I don't, I know Benny Brackett is really popular. Also, which you can tell from its price tag around $10 for a card that came out. And really, I think it's only played in commander from my understanding of it. It was um, a step booster exclusive. Okay, yeah. So a little, little hard, little harder to pick up. Yeah. 
But have you, so have you, I've only seen it on the, uh, the uh, play styles or what do they call it? The, what did I call it? It was like the, the magic uh, gameplay for adults from Star City Games. Uh, I've seen this play yes. once on there and it went completely berserk. It was like from the turn it got cast. So have you seen this card? Like, can, have you seen this card really get you, get the value out of it? Like pretty quickly? Uh. Uh, again, there's a card coming up, and I don't. I I'm not going to talk about the card, and okay. I don't know if you're going to talk about it, so I won't say it yet. But there are certain cards in this deck that go with Benny Brack so well that it is guaranteeing that you draw four cards per turn rotation. Yeah. Like, I think I know. It, I it, it is insane. Not not to mention the convoke thing. If you get to drop some creatures oh. down on your first two turns, you get Benny Bracks down like quickly. For like free almost, right? Pretty much. I mean, because you can use a white creature to pay for the white and his mana value. So you can often just get them down for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, the other thing I want to bring in here is uh, I didn't play with standard with this card. So I don't really know how good it is. But I do love how you have maybe the cutest or best kitty cat card of all time. Eskis Chariot. Ooh. And it also is a complete banger in the deck. Well, a little bit of a spoiler. I hate to break it to you. We might be talking about that. Oh, later. we might be talking about it? Okay. Interesting. I like that. I like okay. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in hearing that out. But we'll get we'll get there. We're getting close. So we're getting down in the weeds here. We're gonna go into five mana value uh, that have five on here. Uh why don't you go first? I go first. Ah, oh, man. I Close my phone down with my notes on it. Ah, <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, I, I think I picked kind of a boring card, but uh, it's whatever. Uh, actually decided to go with a good old snaky snake. I don't know. Oh, that card is good. Okay. I'm a. Let her rip. I got. I got, I got a, a different one. I I, I chose I'm a boring one here too. I think I've done a good job at uh, countering all your picks so far. <laughs> yes, you have. You've done a great job. Uh, so I'm going to go with Orin Frostfang. So uh, good. So good. Three generic green green for a 2-6 snow creature snake. There's no snow synergy in here. Relevant. But cute. <laughs> uh, attacking creatures you control have death touch. And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Hmm. Uh, like this, this card just reads value. If you're playing a yeah. go wide deck, I think it. I think it's hard not to run this card if you're going wide. Agreed. Uh, it just it's draws you all the you cards. Want, right? It it gets you in on attacks. If you're able to have anything that gives trample in the deck, you suddenly all your creatures have death trample. Yep. Uh, <laughs> which is, which is amazing. So, the card's just insane. Do you think this card, especially, I think I already know the answer to this, because I think some people would be like, well, this card's relatively easy to remove, so don't you think for one mana less, Trotsky, the Bearer of Secrets, like the squirrel that's indestructible that has the same second ability? Like, I, I could see people making that argument for it, but I think what people are missing is this deck wins by attacking, right? It's It, it wins through value, sure, but the, the fact that you're swinging in with these one ones, two twos, maybe four fours, like you're, you're not going in with an army of six, six tramplers, right? You're going in with a hundred or 15 one ones. 
that can easily die. And this really, I think this card really puts the onus on the on your opponent to try to like it's really going to put them. It's really going to put them in a, in a hard choice of having to make a choice on w what to block or just take the damage, right? Yeah, like I, I don't think you would replace this card with Toski. I think you would honestly just run Toski in addition to this card because the attacking creatures have death touch is just a super important second line yeah. attack on the card. And uh, since we're past the four drops, we can talk about it. Uh, Jet Mirror Nexus of Revels is in here, and you know if you have nine or more creatures your creatures will all have plus three plus zero vigilance <laughs> double strike and trample and so if you're able to get yeah. down jet mirror and orange frostbank together you are killing the table yeah it's it's like it's effectively a it's like a level of um what's that uh stupid i can't believe the the seven drop uh thunder it's like no the god come on it's five colors three green for it, it, everything gets in, plus x plus x and trample are you talking about, about end razors or the yeah well the what's the what's the what's the end razors like the first one huh it, it's like end razors but it's like it was a card that's printed like a million years ago it's not thunderfoot bayloth it's uh come on ah Damn it! Hold on, this is gonna drive me insane. You're not talking about like forerunners of the maze, are you? No, 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 no. It's the one. It's the one that came out before that. The first one ever. Decimator of the provinces. No, before that. The one before that. Before that. It's like it was like this was like the boogeyman of EDH when we when we first started playing. I mean, the, the next card back I think of is Craterhoof Behemoth. That's the one, yeah, it's Craterhoof. Well, you're thinking of Craterhoof, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, exactly, I was just yeah. like, that's like so synonymous with Commander. I think. I, I know, I, was, I was I, like, I was like, there's no way he's not thinking of Craterhoof. There's, no, there's no way this person who calls himself a, a Commander content commander creator. Player. Yeah, a Commander player is currently blanking on, yeah, Craterhoof. So I feel crater like Huff. that's like... I feel like the Jetmere and Orang Frostbang is like the Crater Hoof combo in this deck, right? Like it's that it's that impactful with it. I think it's even better to be honest, because uh, you kill the creatures with the first strike damage. Yeah. You good, Tuck? <laughs> yeah, uh, I just got back. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah. So you kill the creatures with the first strike damage because your stuff has. Uh, death touch but right. also it has the death trample so any extra damage goes also goes over on first strike that creature is now dead so you still have trample so on the double strike damage it all goes through <laughs> absolutely brutal i love it i like i said I, I think it's a great card 13 bucks right now but you can always head over to a sponsor and get one for free or get one for cheaper that we'll get into in just a second uh, I'm going to round this one out. This one's really easy. I think this is like another card that's a no-brainer in the deck, which is Seedborn Muse. So three colorless, double green for a creature spirit that's a 2-4. Untap all permanents you control during each other player's untap step. I think that I like this card because this also plays into cards like Hollow Fountain, um, maybe a couple of the other ones that we, that we might have missed along the board. But I think in this deck, you need all of these. You need you need, pretty much need all of these every... You, you need to run all of them in, right? Because... Quest for Renewal can get blown up. Uh, another one of another one of your three drops can get blown up too. So just having as many of these redundant untap effects in this deck, I think is going to be really important for it running smoothly, right? 
Yeah, it's a uh, Seedborn use is honestly an all-star card in the deck. Yeah. Uh, it just allows you to use Kit Cancel every turn while also leaving up blockers every turn. So right. like, if you go one, if you go the most problematic creature, uh, depending on what type of deck they're playing, they might still have other attackers. So it allows you to uh, hit their biggest creature with Kit Canto, keep up blockers for anything else, or you know what there's other things in the deck that let you tap your creatures for stuff and yeah. it just allows you to like it just it, it just does everything you want for the deck i mean you, you can't complain yeah. with the card it's hard to it is and it's like it, again it's like ubiquitous and commander so we don't need to talk that much more about it um now i'm gonna cut out of order real quick and just say that if you are looking for an o-ring frost ring uh a playtest card you can head over to abyssproxyshop.com uh, and use the code CMD Tower to get uh, 20% off of your full order, I think. And uh, it's it's a great site. They do custom cards. You can see if you go and search, um, you can search and see all of Mr. Combo's uh, ancient Japanese art for your deck, uh, which I did see at the Drinkathon this year, and it looks really good. They're constantly adding new cards. One thing that I added last time that I really like is they do these land bundles, triomes. The even the new ones like in this deck are very expensive, right? between 10 to $15 a card. Uh, some of the ones you can get for like six or seven, but still up there. So if you head over to abyssproxyshop.com, they do bundles for about $28, which is a great value on getting on getting lands for when you're building decks for your friends, for your family, and that sort of thing too. So again, abyssproxyshop.com, promo CMD tower. So we're starting to get out into the dog days here. We have four chosen in mana value. And I'm guessing with how you've been doing so far this episode, I assume you already know what my pick is going to be. Okay, so I actually really... So there's only four six drops, and I think all four of them are worth talking about in this deck. Okay. Uh, I really... I like all four of them. I'm sure. almost positive I chose one you didn't, but I... I uh, Who's going first here? Who, who went first last time? You went first. Uh, you went with Orient, so it's me. So I'll make it easy. I'll make it. Let me get. Let Let me ask you, what card type do you think I'm talking about? A creature. Interesting, but not correct. Bum bum okay. bum. I'm talking about my my girl. Come on, my favorite planeswalker, Elspeth, uh, champion. You've talked about her before, so I didn't think you'd do it again. No, I had to because this is the uh, one time we've had a deck that wasn't mine that's been in. It's, that's it's true. my favorite. I, and like, especially, I joke like I half-heartedly joke that it goes in every deck, which I kind of agree with. Like, I've literally won with this card over the like last weekend, but in here it plays out perfectly across the board. So Elspeth, Sun's champion. Four colors, double white for a four uh, loyalty planeswalker Elspeth. That's a mythic. That's now twelve dollars. So suck on that, everyone who laughed at me about buying copies of this card at four, of which I have like fifteen. Uh, really in your face there. So in my opinion, I think this is all—they're all three extremely relevant in this deck, right? Sometimes there's one or two that are better, but I think in here all of them are really solid. So starting at the top, uh, plus one, put three one-one white soldier creature tokens in the battlefield. We didn't talk about them, but you have some token doublers in here, doubling seasons, or uh, the parallel lives at all. So that will quickly become more than just three. Uh, minus three, destroy all creatures of power four or greater. The best part about that ability for me in this deck is that your commander is only a three. 
right? So uh, so I actually went through the cards. Uh, yeah. Not counting Perforos because Perforos it like. Like we're we're past four drops, so I can talk about him. He, yeah, of course. He's in when he is a creature, he's indestructible, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Elspeth's minus ability will only hit at like there. There's 26 creatures in the deck, and only five of them will more than likely <laughs> have four or more power, or actually 27 counting Kit Kanto and everything in this deck that makes tokens. The tokens are all like one ones. Right. Or two, so even, two, your, even your even your buffs that you have, which we'll get to in the seven because there's only two. Um, even your buffs in that even your buffs in that in that slot, uh, like they they don't get them that high, right? So I think you're gonna be really safe with that. Um, and then lastly, obviously minus seven, you can emblem with creatures you control get plus two plus two and have flying. Like you said, if it gets to the point where you're gonna emblem her at minus seven, this game is probably over. Right at yeah. that point, you probably have your board state built up, and I think like again, I just like her because I think she's kind of like um, a finisher on a stick and like control decks and that sort of thing. But here, the fact that every ability stacks so well with the rest of your build, I gotta talk. I gotta talk about my girl. It's probably the fifteenth time we brought this up on the hundred sixty-four episodes of this of this show. Uh, I mean, on like like I said, uh, Theros is probably my favorite block ever. Yeah. I know for most people it wasn't a very powerful block, but I just have so much nostalgia for it. I'm I'm in deep love with Theros. So like this El this is the Theros Elspeth. I've yeah. opened her from a pack. My friend opened her from a pack. Like me and nice. him both got attached to her very quickly. Uh, Eric Desch Champs is a great artist. I love the artwork for this card yeah. so much. It speaks to me. Uh, yeah, I just I love this card. This card it's is great. Awesome. You have you also have one of my other favorite uh, the the lesser the second lesser known of Xenagos Reveler from Theros, which was the first Planeswalker I ever opened. Uh, and it's in the he's in the deck as well. So you're a man or you're a man of my own spirit, Mister Tree Folk. Yeah. Again, another uh, another Theros card, and I, actually, I did not get to play with him back in original Theros. I didn't open him, and I didn't have like a ton of money. And he was like expensive yeah. when he was standard legal. I think he was over twenty dollars. Oh yeah, because like I think he was more expensive than Elspeth at the time because he was four mana and he made yes. tokens. Uh, what he made like tokens and he gave you mana, so it was like oh, it was like geez, he was a beater. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. So that was that was my that was my pick. You got one more to talk about. All right. And I so think this, I this isn't what I picked, be. but okay. uh, assuming you didn't talk about Elspeth, even though I know you love her, I kind of thought you might have were going to talk about Fabine uh, because she's kind of interesting and she's a another good old kitty cat. Wait, yeah, uh, she is. But I will yeah. say this. Oh wait, hold on. Yeah, she is. Uh, and. I will be talking about her, but later down the road. The bum, bum, bum. Card, the card I actually chose, though, was... Uh, I think this is a replaceable card in the deck, but I wanted to try it out, and I do think it's pretty solid. Uh, I went with Vivian's Stampede, which was in the pre-con as well. Yeah. Uh, this is four generic green-green for a sorcery. Each creature you control gains Vigilance, Trample, and Melee until end of turn. At the beginning of the next main phase this turn, 
draw a card for each player who has dealt combat damage this turn. Uh, yeah, like Vivian's saying, like this is just uh, an overrun effect. Yeah, it's just it's just another one. Uh, like this could easily be something else, you know. But Try I was thinking about it, like I, I'm a big like overwhelming stampede kind of person. That's the one that gives plus X plus X and trample. But I was looking at yeah. this deck and I was like, if I don't have a board buff, my biggest creature is probably going to be a three three. And right. since this card gives melee. If you attack three opponents, your creatures are going to get plus three, plus three. So I was like, well, uh, I just wanted to try this card out. Like, I feel like it will be similarly as effective as any other uh, one of these these effects. But it gives vigilance, so you can leave this stuff up as blockers, yeah. and more importantly, leave them up as creatures to tap on other players' turns. And it can give you between one and three cards. Yep. I like this was one that I re like when I was thinking about my cuts and ads. I agree with you. I reread this like four or five times, and I was like, like I would be like, okay, well, I should I should probably put it on the block, and then I'd reread it again and be like, well, here's a situation where this card is a complete blowout, right? And then I think about it, and then I'd reread it. So I think it's I like I think this is like I think this card some would say is like slimy to sweaty, where it's like you could do this. Or you could just do Triumph of the Hordes and win on the spot. But, like, I think this card is way more fun. And I like the fact that it's drawing you as well, right? Like, even though green can kind of do anything. And if you think about it this way, right? Harmonize costs four on its own and draws you three cards. So for two more mana, you're dealing a ton of damage, leaving all your creatures untapped. So I, I think this card is sneaky good. But I can I, I agree with you where I was like, I had my eyes on it, right? I was like, I got my eyes on you, Vivian Stampede. I got, I'm think, you, got, you got me thinking about you. I kind of just want to talk about it a little bit too, just because like the card is like literally a quarter, yeah, right. and it's like, like this is a pretty solid quarter. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, it, it's 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 just, yeah. It took me a second too to realize that this wasn't a reprint because I was like, well, Vivian, what's she have to do? New Capen? I was like, oh yeah, she was on there too. She's like the. I, the way that the way that wizards decides where and when wizards decides to use planeswalkers to me is like doesn't make any sense, but it's because I'm not a hashtag Morthos nerd, hashtag suck it. But like, I don't know. I was like, wait, was Vivian even on Capenna? And I was like, oh yeah, she did. Didn't she have a card? She had a planeswalker on New Capenna, didn't she? Yeah, she, uh, she was one of the contra like one of the controversial ones when it was pre-order season because she kind of I can't remember what it was exactly, but she had a kind of like birthing pot effect, so people were like. Oh, oh, is she like actually like busted or whatever? And it turns out not really. <laughs> As it turns out, uh, not so much. Okay, well let's go. Let's go into the sevens and round this out. So there's two available here. So I thought we could just talk about them both. Um, I will go first just because I think this one is the this is the uh, easier one, and then I'll let you talk about the other because I think there's a little bit more to dig into there, but. For me, um, if this is a card that is in every token deck that runs white pretty much, which is Hour of Reckoning. Four colorless, triple white for a sorcery with Convoke. Your creatures, again, we talked about Convoke before with many brackets, that's all. Um, uh, destroy all non-token creatures. So again, this is something that you do run a lot of creatures in here, which is interesting, but you also run like Grand Crescendo, Broke Intervention, and that sort of stuff. All these low-cost, indestructible uh, abilities, Flawless Maneuver, the lowest cost possible. So for me, I like this fact that, again, 
you can tap all your creatures on your turn and then you have your untap effects to do whatever else you need at a later date right so it's a great board wipe has to go pretty much goes into every token deck i've ever seen in white is there anything that that jumps to mind to you about our reckoning that really stands out here yeah it it's just like it's just one of those things where you know you you want to board wipe but you just want to try to minimize as much yeah. of the damage to yourself as possible like i am running 26 creatures 27 with my commander who obviously i can just recast but like so many cards in this deck just make tokens yeah. that it's totally worth giving up some of my actual creatures if it means I get to deal with everyone else's actual creatures and you know right. get to keep however many tokens I have at the time. What do you what do you think is the what do you think is a bad matchup like deck wise that that this deck really struggles against going? Is it is it also like a token mirror? Do you think it's more of a control deck? Is it something that's more like Voltron like? What do you think is the what do you think is like the deck archetypes that this deck might be might struggle a little bit against? Uh, well, I think it would struggle up against a similar deck that is running the other seven drop we're going to talk about. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> great, great transition. I can't, I can't, I, you can't make this up, folks. You can't make this up. Awesome transition. Go right into it. Yeah, so the other seven drop we have here is like this one is actually more about the money. Like if you're playing tokens, if you're playing white, you're playing this card yeah. if you can afford it because it's yes, a little sure. pricey. Or you can go to abyssproxyshop.com and pick yourself up a proxy of the card. Uh so we have Elish Norn, Grant Cinebite. Uh she costs five generic white white for a Praetor four seven. With Vigilance, other creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. Uh, it's golly, such a beating. This, this card just breaks backs on a daily basis. All around the world, Elish Norns are crushing people's dreams. <laughs> uh, they're crushing hopes, they're crushing dreams, they're crushing board states. Uh, it's so... This has been a card that has never, like, so this is something that Combo and I and some other players have been playing for a while. Like, there's certain cards that used to be like, oh my god, you're playing that? We can't win. And I think, like, a good comparison piece would be, like, Shouldered, the Whispering one. When I first started playing, that card was, like, unbeatable, right? Like, because people didn't run, there wasn't as much, like, good interaction. People didn't know how to play around it and that sort of thing, right? Um, the uh, like the crater hoof is kind of on the edge out of that because there's so many effects that kind of do that that cost less. But I feel like Elish Norn's been this really weird like case study of this card when it was played when I started playing in 2014, 2015, however long ago it was, was horrible and backbreaking and very very hard to play around. Right? I, I think forward, out of all forward. five of the, I think out of all five of those like the original Praetors, yeah. I think Elish Norn stands to test the time out of all five of them. Uh, I think Shieldred isn't as good as she used to be, a little too yeah. slow. Like People are just putting out too many creatures too fast. It's like her effects are just too slow for the cost. Sure. Agreed. Uh, Taxis, again, like his effects are backbreaking, backbreaking, but I think they're a little too slow. They give your opponent a little like too much time to mess with it. Yeah. The thing about Elish Norn is... When she resolves off the stack, that minus two, minus two, before your opponents can respond to it, state bait actions are checked. That thing is murdering things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like 
Jinja taxes, for instance, you know, someone at instant speed could remove it before uh, they have right. to discard. Because they have, well, I'm not even instant speed, actually. It's just no maximum hand size. So it get, gets around to their turn. And before right. they discard their hand, they could sorcery speed removal it. Elvish Morn, if you do not counter it, it is, it's killing things. Yeah. And I think like Born Clex is another, I think that you proved a great point, right? Where recently someone played a Born Clex. He's like, I'm sorry, everyone. This is just how ha- oh, this is happening. And I was like, I untapped and I was like, well, or I'm sorry to do this. Like, I'm just going to cast a Swords of Plowshare for one. I'm going to kill Vorn Clicks. And then I'm going to like just continue to play my turn. And just this one tap, this one land won't be tapped. Right. Whereas this comes, to, like you said, I think that's, I think that's a really astute point. Um, it, it's just, it's just always brutal. People always seem to find it. People always seem to have it at the right time. Right. We're just like, oh, great. Now, now what? Right. This is like, and usually, it's also played near the end. It's also usually played near the end of the turn. So, or like near the end of the game where you've already used all your removal and now you're just like scraping yeah. by trying to get something out there. So this is, so you think like, do you think I got, well, I guess outside of a deck that is really, that is really mean to tokens. What like, is that just it? Is it just card? Is it decks? Does this deck just have struggles the most with decks that, play against creatures or is there like another kind that you find that you find it to be difficult to to try to get your foot in the ground with yeah it's um i I think this deck can stand up well against decks that mainly focus on like single target removal sure they could like maybe pick apart pieces of your engine but like at some point you start hitting the spells that just create a large amount of tokens and if they can't deal with that it's whatever yeah uh I guess there's like the very specific decks that are able to get these like consistent minus effects out. And since most things in this deck uh, don't have like a ton of toughness, like a minus two minus two gets rid of like most of your board with this yeah. deck. Uh, yeah. It's like if they can just consistently do that, uh, you're just going to be struggling to get. Because the thing is, is like your heroic intervention, your grand crescendo, like. Those things don't protect against minus. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. if if you run up against that style of deck, or again, like if you're playing against a token deck that has Elishnorn, I mean, uh, at that point, it's almost like a race to who gets Elishnorn out first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like my on? friend's restack, I tell you, oh. when he, he, he will hold quarter calling in his hand all all friggin' game, and he will just instant speed at Elishnorn at someone's instep just to screw everyone else over. Yeah, and it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, it's all right. Like, well, on to the next one, I guess. Yeah, we let me scoop at instant speed. So, well, that's great. So that's that's gonna go through the CMC game here uh, for uh, Kit Canto. But before we end the episode, we do have some cuts and some ads to go to, and just as a reminder. We are cutting cards that have lower CMCs. We're cutting three cards. One that what we're cutting one card for a card that has the same CMC, one for a higher, and one for a lower. And before we get into the specific cards, I will say this: this was, I don't know if this was easy for you or not, but for me, this was extremely difficult. Uh, it was very hard for me too. Like this, I was trying I, to, I was. So I haven't updated this deck. Uh, the last time I updated this deck was before Brothers War. So okay. I was like really looking at the new sets. Like, is there anything new here? And I couldn't really find anything. And I was like, I was like, I'm pretty. I've played the deck multiple times now. I'm very happy with how it performs. It's and I'm re- like, 
like that's what I was saying. Like, no, like I'm not like again, this is not just me like blowing steam up your butt or anything, but like I was just reading this and like thinking about it. I even play tested a few hands and I was like, this is really good. Like it, it's really efficient. Like it, I feel like it can bounce back from board wipes. It's got your engines going into it. So <clears throat> I guess my like my cuts and ads were either cards that I thought were like okay, or <clears throat> more importantly, it's just like these are some ideas like. I think the cards I'm cutting are relatively like we're not. I'm not gonna go into like defending them because I'm sure you have an answer as to why they're in the deck. Um, but yeah. it's 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 more of like because I this happens every once in a while with Mr. Combo where it's like he's like yeah, but I know, and I'm like yes, I know, but you told me I have to cut three cards, right? This is what I'm choosing. So it's it's less about that and more to potentially show you cards that I think might have like additional synergies into the deck. Yes, and actually, <laughs> uh, uh, other people didn't hear it, but Big Tuck accidentally spoiled one card he's cut, and, and I'm actually very excited to defend that one. I'm sure you are, but again, I just had to find it. So let's let's go. I will go. I'll start with that one. I think because there's, I think you have two things. So I am gonna cut. Uh, I, I'm gonna cut your boy Zartaw Druid. I mentioned it briefly ahead of time. It's a uh, a color or sorry, a green and a red for a creature human druid. Add for a tap, and then whenever you tap him for mana, it deals one damage to each opponent. Listen, I get it. It's a tap shenanigans. This is kind of a yeast card, right? Like, you tap him, you untap him, all that sort of stuff, right? You're dealing a lot of damage. You're getting extra mana. I understand why. I just don't like this because... I don't like this in this deck because it's not a one-drop, and it only taps for green, which I know is not its real function, Um I just I I've cut this card out of a lot of my own decks, but again, I can see why it's in here. Yeah, it's um, I this card. So first off, uh, like Theros, since I started around since I started in 2012, I'm also extremely attached to Ravnica. Sure, and this is a Gruul card. Gruul is my favorite guild, by the way. Uh, oh, so. okay. I very much like Zertal Druid. This was another like kitchen table magic card for me too. I used yeah. to have like a deck with like four copies of this in it. <laughs> nice. Uh, but I, this card's actually regrowing on me. I have found that even if you're not doing all the untapped tap shenanigans, that one damage to each opponent, if you get this down super early in the game, that yeah. one damage just slowly piles up, and your opponents don't always pay attention to it. Right. It's like, after, if you play this on turn two, by turn six, this is dealt four damage to each opponent for a total of 12 damage. That's yeah. just off of a two drop that is tapping for a mana. And towards the end of the game, when you're trying to close things out, this stack damage can actually just make combat a little easier for you. Yeah. Uh, it lets you, like, it lets you distribute your attacks better so that you're not having to like pile them all on one person so much. And, but yeah, with the Seedborn Muse, the quest for a new old, sure. uh, we didn't talk about, but Drum Bellowers in here. Uh, that is four damage per turn rotation. It well, is. Listen, I hear you. It but is I silly. To, I, have, I have to cut three, right? So Gotta I'm cutting some. this out for another card, which ironically, upon thinking about it, would be a good synergy with it. But there's two things that this deck is missing, right? One of them is the Monarch, obviously. Okay, and okay. One, of, one of them is my second favorite ability, which is the Initiative. So instead oh, of just... I know what card this is. Yeah. So is this one that you chose too or no? I didn't chose it, but I do love this card. Yeah. 
So I thought that white plume adventurer would be was a really interesting uh, mix into here. So two colorless and a white for a three three creature or cleric for. Whoa, this is weird. Uh, evidently, the normal ones are seven dollars or eight dollars, but the promo is only two dollars? Question mark. That that doesn't. Sound oh, is this because is this because of Pioneer? It's probably because of or well. Hmm. Is there something? There's something that people are playing that has like the the initiative is really big on it. I think it's Pioneer. No, that's a. Uh, this wouldn't be Pioneer legal because this is out of a commander set. Uh, I Historic. think that price. I think that price might be wrong because where initiative and monarch are very important is actually pauper, which this is not legally because it's rare. Oh. They actually oh, have to, that, ban, yeah, they have to okay. ban some initiative cards in Popper because initiative plus Monarch was too good. Was too good. Okay, that's Popper. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you're right. Um, so when so anyways, when it enters battlefield, you gain the initiative, which I love just because it's a stupid. It's it's I just love things like this that do sub games in the game. Um, but more importantly, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, untap a creature you control. If you've completed a dungeon, untap all creatures you control. So again, I view this as like another, even though I don't know how many effects that you need in this deck before they start becoming redundant. But for me, this getting the initiative into the game, which I just think makes the game more fun, and then also giving you more of this untapped shenanigans and another target for that seems like pretty good. And like I said, ironically, the fact that you can untap a creature you control to gave each opponent's upkeep, Zertar Druid, is actually a great target for this. That is pretty funny. So I didn't, I, I didn't think about that until I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of untaps here. But anyways, like I said, yeah, I have to choose one, but I think White Bloom Adventurer is one of the initiative cards that would be an interesting choice in the deck. Uh, I actually do like that. I, actually, I like it enough that I'm going to put it in my considering board for the deck so I can keep it in mind when I mess with yep. it. Just, just something to think about. But what? So that was my uh, lower to higher. What's your, what's your lower to higher? So this card I put in here because I just thought it was super cute. But I think in practice, it's a little too slow. And uh, I, I'm gonna be talking about Patrol Signaler. Okay. Uh, Patrol Signaler is a generic and a white for a 1-1 Kithkin oh. Soldier. Uh, it has an, just one ability. It's you pay one in a white, and you it has the untap symbol on it. Right. You untap it to put a 1-1 white Kithkin Soldier creature token into play. So the cutest part about this card in the deck is if you just have this plus Kit Kanto and mana... You tap Kit Kanto plus this, or let's say the token you made with Kit. You tap sure. the token and Patrol Signaler down to go something. Next player's turn, you pay two mana, you untap this, it makes a token. That is oh, two yeah. untapped creatures that you can retap. Uh, it sounds really cute, and maybe it is still worth keeping in the deck, but I just find that maybe two mana uh, every, like, two mana per player's turn is a little too much like uh like if i have the engine going with say rose room treasure or whatever and yeah. Benny brax then it does fit into the engine quite well but i, I still kind of feel like two mana I, I really feel like if it was one mana i would like like yeah that would be yeah. a good spot for the card well and you 
to your point, uh, to agree with you, like a lot of the big stuff you want to do is going to be on your turn. So it might be, it depend, like you said, like it's it's kind of awkward to hold up four, six mana just to do this one ability if you don't have anything else to do with it, right? And you want to use that mana on your turn to cast your big creatures, your big, like the big haymakers and that sort of thing. So I, I, I like the interaction. I would call this card just a little sweaty, as if you will. Right, yeah. but so it makes sense um, as to why maybe it's on the on the chopping block. What's one? So this is a two. This is a two drop that you're cutting for something more. I mean, the the world is your oyster, man. What do you, what do you got out there? Yeah, so I'm gonna go from a two drop to a three drop. Uh, okay, much much like you did. Uh, I will be replacing. Uh, I would be replacing it with Queen All in All of I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, Ru- I'm gonna say Rudok or Ruidok. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, Queen Alanol is a green, a white, and a white for a star star elf noble. Her power and toughness are each equal to the number of creatures you control. So pretty big. Yeah. And if she kind of has a uh, chatterfang effect, if mm-hmm. one or more creature tokens would be created under your control, those tokens plus a one-one white soldier token are created instead. Uh, so wow, that's pretty good. I like her for two reasons. I just I like her uh, one. I like being able to replace a token maker for a token maker. She yep. doesn't make tokens on her own necessarily but she is just going to give you additional tokens every time you make some uh but also i think she has additional cute synergy in this deck which is kick hanto on your turn you can target one of your own creatures with the plus two plus two and trail so if queen all in all gets huge you give her plus two plus two and trample you get to just smack someone with her right well, again, like if you have 10 creatures, right, then she's a 10-10, 12-12 with Trample. That's brutal for three mana. And we already talked about how you said most times you play this, you're at like the the 10 plus creature tokens at, at, at any point of the game, right? Yes. I think this is I think this is really a cool card pick. And this is this is something that I've started to look more into because this card gives you a bonus for just playing the game, right? Like yep you're already creating tokens what the deck's based around and just by having this card you don't need to build around it or anything right just by having her out she she becomes a threat and gets you even more threats to play around with so that's a real that's a really really good pick i didn't even know this card got printed so there you go uh no that is a dominary united card so i was able to pull something out of those sets and it's really it's also really breaking the bank with the stained glass foil for about a dollar so watch out for that I, I do have the uh, the textured foil of her, which cost <laughs> which ran me an entire like thirty five cents or something. Ooh, like that. in this economy. In this economy. <laughs> All right, so let's go on to the next one. I'm like I said, this was really hard. Um, I I am actually going to cut, like I said, the Fabine, the boss is confident. Um, I, I think this card's cute. I think it's like a little over costed, perhaps. Um, so three colorless, a green, uh, a, uh, a red, a green, and a white. I really need to get my glasses, so please tell me if I'm reading this wrong. But creature tokens you control have haste. At the beginning of combat on your turn, each player reveals the top card of their library. For each land card revealed this way, you create a 1-1 green and white citizen creature token. 
Then creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn for each non-land card revealed this way that each player draws a card, right? So it's kind of like a Savala, the Explorer Return sort of ability. Yeah. The thing they, I mean, I had... they, they are both parlay. Oh, it is? Oh my god, it is parlay. Oh, <laughs> it's, there's so much text in this card, I can barely read it. Uh, and this is also why I need to wear my glasses, potentially get LASIK. But all that to say this is like, I think it's a cool ability, right? I just like, when I played my Savala deck, I felt like a lot of the times it got, I always got the one I didn't want, right? I had an army of creatures. I was ready to swing in. And then all, then all you get is more creatures, right? Which is not like, it's not, it's not a win-win or a lose-lose. But for me, I wish this card, I wish there was some way that this card cost four instead of six in the, in this like higher end slot, you know? Uh, I will say when I first read this card during previews, I was like, I think this card, I think it might be a little too good at four, even if you mess with the stats on it. Oh, really? But I think at five, and then if you made it like a three, five or like a two, five, honestly, I think it would be fine there. Like, I do think six is a little too much. I just wanted to give the card a try. I do think the creature tokens you control have haste can be relevant. True. Yeah. Uh, You get this and and then have some big blowout grand crescendo turn, right? Exactly. And, it's. I also am just a big fan of incidental card draw. This does put the card you reveal into your hands, so true, it's kind of like it, it kind of just does like a lot of things this deck wants to do. Maybe a little overcosted, but it does still do everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right about maybe not always getting what you want, but I think I would still rather run this over Savala Explorer Return for it. Yeah, like Agreed. so, like the two things that like. The way Savala works is I feel like uh, I'm not going to look the card up. I'm pretty sure you can just like, well, if if you hit a land, if you hit a land, no, you gain, you gain a green. If you hit a non-land, I think you gain a life. Yeah. The gain of life is just so lame on that card. And I had, I, Selesnya has been another deck that I've tried. I get, I've given up on trying to build it and I had one, right. And it was cool. It's really cool when you like Savala hit three lands, Wirewood, Lodge, hit three lands, Wirewood Symbiote, hit three lands, play your hand, right? But most of the time, yeah. it's like, okay, I'm going to get, I didn't even hit a land. I hit a non-land card. That's nothing. Like a ramp spell. Someone else hit a land, and then two other people just like, oh, great. Like, I just, thanks for drawing me my removal spell, you know? Yeah. Uh, so so I, I think that, I think, I do think that, uh, I do think that Fabian is much better. I just wish that there was a way that she could be just a, a smidge cheaper to get into the game a little faster. Yeah, I, I agree, but at the very least, I do like how both things that you hit off the parlay are relevant. It's like yeah. tokens or a buff. I think you'll be happy with either. Sure. Uh, but I'm I'm cutting I'm cutting down by two, and this is a card that uh, enemy will in Kansas City has a deck on that is very very hard to beat um, because you talked about like Kit uh, Canto. I don't know how much of a target for removal she'll be. I'm guessing once you get to engine going, she probably will be kind of a juicy one. But for a similar mana, or I don't know, like you tell me. Uh, I think people would rather pick apart pieces of engine than. Get oh, Kanto. okay, yeah. I, hear I think the only time. So we actually didn't talk about this earlier, and I guess I can bring it up now. Yeah. Is uh one other cool aspect of Kit Canto is, uh, of course, if your opponent has a creature that you 
like you know huge creature you don't want them attacking you with it or maybe it has some like on combat damage effect that yeah. you don't want hitting you you say that's goaded it can't attack me uh also it's gonna hit someone else but also using it on creatures your opponents don't want to attack with mm. your opponents don't want to attack with an oracle moldiah right turn right. it into a four four make it attack and maybe there are no good attacks with it, and right. one of your opponents gets to kill the Oracle Moldaya. For sure. Uh, so that might be the one scenario where someone actually wants to remove Kit Kanto, is if they have a creature they absolutely do not want goaded, and they're yeah. like, all right, kill Kit Kanto so he can't goad my creature. But what if, instead of only goading one creature for attacking, we get to go to all of them? That's where our girl, Marisi Breaker of the Coil, comes into play here. So, Colorless and Naya, that's a green, uh, a red, green, and a white for 5-4 legendary creature cat warrior. That's a rare for 3 bucks in the foil. Your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. And then whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, go to each creature that player controls. And again, we've already talked about how we're going to have so many tokens, with our, and especially with our Orang Frostfangs, the Vivian's Stampede or whatever it's called, like we're, we kind of are incentivized to be attacking, right? And even if sure, even if we're only chipping in damage with, you know, okay, they have two Drakes that are 2-2, two, two, I have three Citizens, I want to get in knowing that two of them are going to die, but then those Drakes aren't going to be able to clap back and they're going to be untapped next turn. I think I like this idea of goading everything. And then if you want to with Kit Kanto, you can pump up one of the things that is also goaded. So I think Marisi is a really strong card in these token strategies. And I think it's going to hopefully save you some life over the course of the game. Uh, you know what? Th thinking about it, I think I do actually like that pick for a few reasons. One, uh, against combat decks, you really don't want your opponents casting spells during combat. Yeah. Uh, just that line of text where they can't do that, uh, that allows you to say, okay, I'm moving the combat. Uh, this is your last chance to mess with yeah. me. That also in a weird way, kind of protects uh, Kit Kanto's ability too, because that triggers at the beginning of combat. Oh, sure, I've, right. I've played this against people who have cute tricks where the creature that I want to target with her ability, they're going to do something with it. They, they do that. They do that. Uh, the um, the protection spell that's also the land, right? Yeah, exactly. Some 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 yeah. crap like that. So uh, that actually does work with Kit Kanto, but also uh, with a go wide deck like this. Uh, and like that is it's a pretty good way of essentially keeping your opponent's stuff tapped down yeah uh, sure they can play a new creature and it'll be a blocker but if you are just swinging out and you are just pinging people with your little one ones and now they're having to attack each other like you, like it kind of like snowballs in a way because now right. those creatures are tapped and now you attack them again you goad them again and they have to keep keeping those creatures tapped down every single time uh, so also, that, really like, good. Uh, like I was just I said, gonna say, uh, there's like champion a land bolt in here. Uh, just oh, like yeah. cute, cute ways to like sneak creatures in. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Absolutely. So that was so that was my pick for one. Um, like I said, I think I think boss confidants is fine, if not a little overcosted, but I think Marisi is gonna give you a lot of options when you go to your combat step, mostly because it won't be interrupted. So what's what's your pick for one that's higher to low? Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, out of all my picks to uh, other than Soul Ring, uh, sure. I would say this is my other meme pick. Um, I'm gonna cut Cathar's Crusade. Okay, sure. Uh, Cathar's Crusade 
is three generic white white for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. This card is an absolute slam dunk in this deck. It is a yes. slam dunk in any white token deck. There is no reason you shouldn't run it, except I hate keeping track of the counters. It's a, okay, so I I was really trying to cut a, a card in the five slot. Um and I'm gonna if you're if you're going with this, I'm not even gonna talk about the one that I'm gonna cut. I'll just join you with this. Because I complete like I have played this card in token decks as well, and I can just tell you where it's just like, okay, so these two creatures all have two two, but then this other four creatures that are tokens all have three threes, and then I'm gonna play another one, and it's like it just becomes like it's a mess. It becomes like a it becomes like a riddle, you know. Yeah, it, it, it just makes your board messier. Plus, you're playing tokens, so your board's already just full of crap yeah, right. in the first place. Like, you already have, like, 20 creatures on the board, and now you're having to figure out which creatures have this amount of tokens, and then every single time you play another creature or a ton of creatures, you have to go through and tick up every single counter on yeah. everything. It is an actual headache to keep track of. Uh, that is the only... for That is, for me, the only real reason to cut yeah. this card is it's kind of it, like it's a headache. it's kind of one of those cards where you you see it even as an opponent you're like do i even have removal to deal with it and sometimes i've i've like i've been like i'm playing cathar's crusade and i'm gonna make five tokens and i already have a board like can you guys do anything do, do i really need to go through all these steps right it's it kind of turns into one of those sometimes i feel right yeah, when I played this deck against Marketing Ross, uh, had the oh god on like, spell that, table that, nonetheless. That game, ah. that game is the reason that I want to cut this card because <laughs> no one had removal for any of my stuff the entire <laughs> game. I was completely out of control. I got Cathar's Crusade. I was literally running out of space on the playmat for my cards, and then yeah. I was using the little D six that had the plus, like they're like the actual plus one counter dice. Yeah, 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 and. Like I had like I was running out of them. Like my box was almost empty. And I was just like, this this is ridiculous. Like at some point, I was like, I think I'm gonna kill everyone. I'm just I don't care about the counters anymore. Yeah, right. Like yeah, I totally agree with you. It's it's a great card. It does bring a lot of upkeep when you're playing in paper. So I'll go ahead and go with this one as well. Um, what what are you gonna cut it for? Uh, so here's where the real meme comes into play. I've cut it with I, I have I cut it for. Uh, probably another card that's just another headache <laughs> uh, that you might have not heard of because it's out of Unfinity. Oh, God. Wait, hold on. I think I do. Oh, yeah, it's like it's like this, but it's plus one, plus one instead, right? Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Welcome to the Party? Uh, it is called Starlight Spectacular. It is so, too generic, you're, you're, white, you're white. So, so we're going from five mana to four mana. It is one mana sure. cheaper. It is a, another white enchantment. Uh, it has parade. At the beginning of combat on your turn, choose creatures you control one at a time until each creature you control has been chosen. Each of those creatures gets plus one, plus one until end the turn for each creature chosen before it. <laughs> The first creature in line gets plus zero, plus zero. So you're kind of, you're like making your life arguably more difficult because you have to choose which creature has got to get the plus. Okay, I'm back. 
So it'll lock out every once in a while, and then I'll go silent. So instead of choosing to track for each creature, you just have to figure out which creature you want to give the biggest buff to each turn, right? Yeah, I figure the best way to actually organize this card is to literally put all your creatures oh. in a line and just say this one is first in line and this one is last in oh. line. And then we'll just, it's that's how the buffs go. Parade. So I feel like this could technically be easier to track than Cathar's Crusade, but I'm not making it much easier. But to your point, to be fair, uh, it is um, it's only plus one plus one until in a turn, right? I think a until lot of the times, I, I think a lot of the times where people get where it gets most confusing is you're like, wait, did this dice represent how many counters were on this creature or on all the creatures or what, right? Or it's also like if you're using a one dice to track how many of a token you have oh, and then yeah, those oh, tokens yeah. also have counters on them it's yeah. like this kind of simplifies that to a degree and also to be a little extra cute whatever <laughs> like you have 15 creatures so that means i think if you i think the biggest one would be plus 14 plus 14 if yeah. the first one yeah it would be plus 14 plus 14 because there are 14 before it right. uh and then you just uh, you just tap the two smallest ones with Kit Kanto, and you give the oh. biggest one the plus two, plus two, and trample. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. I mean, I, I, I mean, never. It's it's kind of funny. <laughs> we've never talked about we've never talked about uh, an unfinished card on here yet. So look, we're we, this is the first time or everything. Your first time on the pod. You're bringing in heat like this. So I, I had a feeling this would be a fun. I had a good grin on my face the whole time I was just yeah. reading that stupid card. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I think, but it worked. Like again, like it's like it works. It actually does work in the deck quite well. So moving on to our last, we are going from we're going we we've gone from low to high, high to low. Now we're going to even to even. I will also cut Cathar's Crusade for similar reasons, right? It just kind of turns into a bit of a headache, even if it is very good. Um, and there's another card from Capenna that I thought would be a really. It's kind of it's kind of it kind of works with all of these, right? It's another enchantment that's a, that's got attacks, and this one's called Rabble Rousing. So it's four colors and a white for an enchantment. It's like a buck. Um, you probably it looks like you've heard of it. Um, it's Hideaway Five. When this enchantment enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of the library, exile one face down, and put the rest in the bottom in a random order, which is kind of fine. Draw draws you a card, sort of. Whenever you attack with one or more creatures, create that many one and one green and white citizen creature tokens. Then if you control 10 or more creatures, you may pay the exiled card without paying its mana cost. So I kind of like that this is like, this lets you do your Kit Kanto thing for free, right? You attack with two creatures, you stack them in order, you get those creatures back that then are untapped to do the rest of your untapped shenanigans, and just continue to grow your army. So I feel like this is a card that will kind of let you bounce back pretty quick from board wipe too, right? Only if you have two creatures, then you can have four, then you can go on from there. I don't know if he dove into my considering board at all, but that is I didn't, in I there. Intentionally, I intentionally did not look at it. Awesome. That is in there, and honestly, okay. I do think I like this cut a lot. Uh, yeah. I have an... Again, I like tokens. I've, yep. I've come to terms with it. I have an Ishan <laughs> deck, and I've mainly centered it around tokens because there's a lot of cards that have oh. attack triggers make tokens. And yeah. this card is an attack trigger that makes right. tokens. Uh. Oh, again, bringing up Marketing Ross again. Just love the guy so much. Uh, he got he he got to see me make 
a ridiculous play with this card because I hit a Cathars Crusade underneath it. <laughs> that, oh what a, no! What, what is <laughs> here? <laughs> That's great. Oh my oh, god! god. That, didn't even, that didn't even occur to me. Yeah, I hit a Cathars Crusade under this, and then because this has two triggers on it with Ishin yeah. add attacked first trigger made tokens those tokens gave me enough to cast cathars crusade and then the second trigger resolved and gave my whole board like plus five plus five with cathars crusade uh but yeah like in this deck uh you uh, you're getting into the red zone with this deck this yeah. is just additional tokens and what i really really like about this card is that once you cast a card with the hideaway it's not like the enchantment goes away this stays right. there and continues to make tokens, which I love. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's it's like I said. I don't know if this card is any less or any more of a win more card than the one that you have than the ones that you have in here, right? But um, I still think it's like I still think it's pretty cool. I still think it kind of has a lot of synergy in there. So you know, maybe give it a shot. No, I, I I I honestly might do. I think this one's getting done. <laughs> What's your so? Okay, we got we got you covered there. Um, that was mine. What's your last pick of the day? What do we got here? So, mentioned it earlier. I think I'm going to cut Essica's Chariot. Okay. The kitty cats. The kitty cats. <sighs> the kid, they're, they're, you know, surprising amount of cats in here. Uh, I know. It's great. Essica's Chariot is three generic and a green for a vehicle. Uh, four, four, if you crew it. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you make two, uh, two, two, two green, uh, itty bitty kitty cat creature tokens. Yeah. Little baby, little uh, baby whenever, boys. Actually, to be fair, I don't even, I don't think they're little baby boys. I think in reality they are enormous because I think it's a full size chariot that two big oh. cats are like. I think they're horse sized cats probably. Oh Jesus! But anyways, uh, whenever Essica's chariot attacks, create a token. That's a copy of target token you control, and it has crew four. Yeah. So what do I like about this card? It makes two kitty cats. Also, the Kalheim cat tokens, in my opinion, best cat tokens. They are floofy. Oh, yeah. Love them. Uh, What I don't like about this card is I I think the token deck that this card belongs in is ones where you're either just making big tokens like yeah. Geared, for instance, Conclave Exile, or if you're making token copies, so like you're playing like Essex Fractal Bloom or something like that, where you're right. making token say, copies like, Vol- of creatures. The Volo card that makes copies of creatures when an ETB yeah, is right. Volo, exactly. I feel like that's where this goes. Because in this deck, you're putting two creatures like you're usually putting like two to the two cats to crew it and you're just getting a four four with no keywords and yeah. all you're going to be doing is making more than likely another two two cat it's yeah and i think that's a really good point like the biggest one that you could target in this deck is what a four four angel that you can make with literally one card that is flying, yeah. right? Like going through the tokens, like your absolute best are going to be the 4 4 angels, which are, I mean, if you cast a Marius call, that's seven mana, so that's going to be super right. late, anyways. Or, like, if you somehow get there and this is done, there is Idol of Oblivion in the deck, which makes the 10 10 Eldrazi token if you sacrifice it for yeah. a ton of mana. What it, 
eight mana to sacrifice it. But otherwise, every other token in sec is one ones and two twos, just straight up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It makes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's. Like, I think the card. I think you. I think you're right on. And also, I just looked at the the cat art. Holy shit, they are the floofers. Uh, great, them. thank you for giving me that. That gave me that brought me Love. a lot of joy today. Um, and I think I think to your point, this is a card that probably reads a lot better than it is, right? Because you think like, and I think you identified like you said, like okay, I'm getting tokens like make tokens, but tokens of what? So yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense in a vacuum for sure. So now there's a lot of four drops in the game of Magic. There's a lot of Naya as well. What's the one that you're going to go with today? Uh, I think I'm actually kind of excited about this cut. Uh, because again, I like Theros. Uh, this is a newer Theros card from Beyond Death, and I think you also like this card. And I think what's even funnier is I'm pretty sure this card was in the pre-con, which means I would have taken this out of the pre-con, and now I'm putting it back in for a card I actually put in the deck. Uh, I'm swapping it for Arasta of the Endless Web. Oh, that card's incredible, yeah. Yeah, uh, two generic green-green for a legendary spider 3-5. It has reach, and whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-2 green spider creature token with reach. Yeah, it's uh, it's insane. This deck this deck does not have let me let me think here. I think this deck literally has like one So it so this deck has like four creatures with flying. However, three of those creatures you don't want to block with, and one of them you also, the the fourth one you actually probably also don't want to block with. <laughs> now that I think about <laughs> it, uh, so I don't think the I have any kind, reach. flying kind of dunks flying kind of dunks on the deck, right? Yeah, I don't think there's any reach in here at all. So I think flying has the opportunity to dunk on this deck. Uh, so having the little one twos with reach. Uh, plus, I think in the long run, this will just make more tokens than Essica's yeah. Chariot. Like, Essica's Chariot will just, it makes two, and then it will very slowly make one. Right. Whereas this deck, you know, depending on what you're playing up against, this could make you maybe one or two per turn rotation all the way up to like four or five per turn rotation, you know. And I think like I imagine a spell slinger varietal deck is probably a little difficult to play against, right? If they're packing enough removal and making drakes and sharks and stuff. And the way yeah. those and the way those decks win are generally just being like, I have one hundred birds because I've cast brainstorm seventeen times, right? So, like, how are you going to come back to that? So, I think again, this play is not only in defending against that, but also counterattacking to that as well. So, I do, I do love Arista of the Endless Web, even if her some of her artwork is kind of like nightmare fuel um, for me, a former arachnophobic. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I think she's great, right? I think, and again, this is a card that me and Mister Combo always talk about. Like, it's a modal card for your opponents, right? Like, you don't have to do anything. Right, like I'm not prevent, I'm not stopping you from playing the game, but if you want to play the game your way, you're gonna have to kind of pay a tax for it, right? And yeah. it's gonna make me, it, it might make things go a little easier for me. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, it is, it does make me very sad to see that those uh, floofy cats are not gonna be around anymore, which is very, very sad. But I would also like to point yes. out that I think Arasta plays into the engines of this deck a little more too. 
uh we didn't talk about but there's like the welcoming vampire and rumor gatherer which are more like card advantage that can trigger each turn we did mention benny brax and rose room treasure like yep essica's chariot is not triggering those cards arasta will trigger those cards for sure for sure um yeah i was gonna ask about welcoming vampire which i think is actually like really good right (laughs) it's like it's like it's like a it's like a second copy of benny brackett right uh, I'm I'm a notorious uh, mentor of the Meek Hater. I think oh. that I think that's a card of Commander past. I think we have moved past. You think so? I think we've I think we have moved past mentor of the Meek in the format. I know welcoming vampire potentially doesn't draw you as many cards, but I just think having the better body with flying and not having to pay extra mana into it is yeah. enough for me to go. This card is, this is the new welcoming van, uh, the new mentor of the meek for me. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I know that white card draw, man. It's, it's happening. It's, happening. it's finally, it's fine. It's finally happening. So as I said, I was sad to see those floofy baby cats go. I'm also sad to announce that we have come to the end of the episode. So thank you everyone, especially Cameron for coming out and joining us. Uh, and listening, I know we didn't stream this one live, but we were running into some technical problems. So what are we going to do? But in the meantime, if you want to come and check us out, you can check us out at cmdtower.com. You can, like I said, go to our Patreon, go to our Etsy store, uh, and of course, support our our friends over at bizproxyshop.com. If you want to, I'm pretty quiet on Twitter these days, but if you want to, you can come and find me at Big Tuck Tweeting on Twitter, as well as follow our parent account at cmdtower. Uh, if you want people to come find you, or maybe you don't, Cameron, can they find you on Twitter? And if so, do you want them to come find you out there? Uh, I got rid of my Twitter a long time ago. Smart. <laughs> I just, just not a fan of it. But it's done, it's done me very well. Uh, but go ahead. I have not promoted this in the Discord at all, and uh, the this profile has kind of stagnated. Uh, I do actually have an Instagram that I post magic content on. Oh, I cool. Was, I was starting to get a good amount of followers when I was posting on a daily basis, but I found that I didn't like the content that I was posting. And I have actually figured out uh, how I figured out a new way I want to post, but I've been kind of waiting till I moved into my new house and I can mess with this absolute mess behind me to like actually get into it. So you can find me at tree folk Lord on Instagram uh, and once I move into my new house, I will go back to posting daily again. Uh, like I said, when I was posting daily, I was actually getting a pretty consistent amount of followers. Uh, wow, that's but, awesome! Like it, it's literally like that's actually just how Instagram works. You post daily, you get followers. You stop posting daily, your followers literally stand still. Really? Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Is like this the first week that i stopped posting daily my followers just just dropped off huh? that didn't drop off they just it's just remained the same uh, uh also okay that's cool because i saw i'm just going through it i just follow you just got one follower today my friend oh but i saw yeah. that game genic box for the four we uh the four uh warhammer pre-cons that's awesome because i'm looking for a way to store those as well oh uh, i'm I I'm so satisfied with that because I've had that box and it was originally called my Boros box where I had like <laughs> sure. four Boros decks in it that had like interchangeable proxy cards in them because they were all running like the same Boros staples. Yeah. And I since gave up on the Boros project and I was like, what am I going to do with this stupid box now? 
And then I got the Warhammer precons. I was like, all four of them fit in Jeez. this dang box with the counters, with the with the with the thick slammers or whatever you want to call them. With like, everything. oh yeah, the life the life counters. Well, but also like you know, like the thick versions oh. of the commanders. Like you can put the life counters and the thick versions of the commanders and the little lore booklets all in that all in that game genius wow. box. Do you know? Was that the five hundred and fifty box? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, hey, for those listening to the home, those listening who are close friends of Santa, you can add that one to the list for your old pal, Big Big Tuck. But um, so we can find him there. Also, I know that you, I know that you're a fellow bass player like me. Are you currently in a band or anything that you want to plug that's non magic related? I don't play. I don't, I don't play anything. What? Was I against someone else? I might have been. I don't know. There's like, know. there's like seven bases players that all that all are friends of the channel. So sorry, I must have, no. I must have thought you were someone else. Uh, it's all good. But if we want to promote the Patreon and the Discord a little bit more, you know, the lowest tier gets you into the Discord where I there do post is. daily. Uh, uh, is the most. I'm in a few. I'm in quite a. I'm in a lot of Discords, but uh, CMD Tower Discord is the only one I'm actually active in. And yeah. to go further, uh, a little talk back here. Uh, did Big Tuck, did you notice that there is now a Marvel Snap channel on the Discord? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you and you a holes have convinced me to sign up. I, yeah, I, did, so... I did it. I did it. Not you a holes. My my beloved my our beloved fans of the podcast. And you're gonna listen. I've really been cranking it out. I'm loading up the app right now. Because you're gonna, you're gonna. I, I've really, I really been on a meteor, meteoric rise. I'm at level 25, so watch out. It's um, yeah, we've we've been getting it in there. You know, we got pips don't lie. Uh, uh, Ross is posting in there a little bit. I don't know if Leia is playing anymore, sure. but they were playing for a bit. Uh, Jester Vest actually came out of nowhere and was just like, oh, there's like a Marvel Snap channel. And then he posted his level, and he's like, and we're just like, oh, you're the highest level in the Discord right now. Really? Yeah. I'm so I, I went from being the highest level to uh, him being the highest level now. All right. I'm second highest. All right. But, I'll get uh, in can you but, follow, yeah. can, can you follow people on Snap? Is that possible? Do they have that yet? No, that's a feature. And they the game is still new. Like yeah, it, like it officially released in like the middle of October, I think. So hopefully, I think that's something fans are asking for. But yeah, anyone listening, if you like Marvel Snap and you just want to like talk about the game, post your post whatever cards you pull, whatever. Like we, we like actually that the Marvel Snap channel is an open channel too. Oh, nice! So just just hop into Discord and come snap it up with us. Yeah, we should have, we should have you got you. We should, I should have you on more often. You're better promoting. You're better promoting our content than this. Uh, but yeah, so that's a, another great thing for the Patreon. Um, next, so just a few things from housekeeping. We are going to be recording a couple episodes in person uh, when I'm back in Kansas City in a week. So look forward to that with me and Mr. Combo. And uh, then I believe Marketing Ross and SD Sharpie are recording an episode as well. So you'll probably get a little bit more of those. And also for your other Patreons out there, uh, if you can do me a favor if you're comfortable and and want to be on the podcast, please let me know. Um, we are going to be looking for more patrons to come on starting in 2023. So, uh, Kit Canto, the deck for your wife. 
I you already have my thoughts on it. I think this deck rules. Um, I think this is a this is literally the only Naya token deck that I think I've ever seen, including Gear Red, including the rest of them, including Hazard's on Noir. Um, that I think actually looks like it'd be really fun to build. So how did how did you did you kind of like see anything new when we organized it by CMC? What do you think about the cuts and ads? Like, do you think that this deck needs so much? Like, what's your kind of final thoughts on uh, on the deck here? Uh, so I'd like to say I'm with you on Naya. I've always struggled with that color combination too. I've also tried like Gearid. I've made a deck list for Hazazon that I just never yeah. built because I was like, I was just like, whatever. It's... I'm like, I've tried so many Naya commanders and I just cannot get on with any of them. But I ended up making this deck for my wife and I ended up falling in love and, with it and myself. now you're like i'm the one who wants to play it <laughs> yeah it's like when like when we're over like spell table or something it's like can i hey guys can i just get the kit can't throw deck out and play with this yeah uh but yeah i'm actually super happy with the cuts and ads though i think there were some solid ones. i'm at i'm actually going to use these cuts and ads good that's what we always aim for and like i said it was really it's always hard to choose right so um, very hard it, especially for like for my decks that i like slop together i already like i usually go when uh this is a little spoiler alert when we go into my deck list i usually already have like five in mind so it's like okay this is really easy but when we go into others who take a little bit more time with their deck building it definitely it definitely makes it hard to cut and this one was one of the hardest ones uh one of the hardest ones i've had to do so any other thoughts before we we play the outro music and we let you get uh i assume go to bed uh I, you know, I had a lot of fun today. I'm, I'm glad, glad to be on. It was, it was nice getting to have a nice long talk with you. I just love talking about. I could talk about magic for literally an entire day straight if you let me. Absolutely. Uh, also, just want. I just thought this was funny. On the Discord, part of being the Patreon member, you can submit your deck list to be on Breeze and Builds. That is and true. I thought it was hilarious. I did not think about it until like 2 a.m. this morning while I was at work. I have a deck list sitting in there and I didn't even some like when I sent you those three deck lists, that wasn't yeah. even one of those three. I completely forgot <laughs> about that deck list. I completely <laughs> forgot that I submitted a completely different deck and we did not talk about that. So today. <laughs> one of the reasons I think people kind of forget because we have so many channels. So one of the reasons why I reached out to you is because you also had posted a bunch of ones in there. So um, there was, was it Kamiz? Yeah, so like if you go back what if you go like way back in time to like the ye olden deck therapy submissions, I do oh, not have yeah. any of those put together anymore. So when you guys changed it to bruise and build submissions instead of it being deck therapy anymore, uh I just have Kamis in there, yeah. Yeah. Like, cause because I found it hard because like like with this deck, I feel very confident in my deck building. So when you were doing deck therapy, I was like, oh god, I just I just don't even know what deck I could give you guys yeah. to put in here. But I built this Kamiz deck and I was like, okay, I think this one would actually be good for what y'all are doing with Breeze and Builds right now. But and I, I'm, I'm glad that we did do that one because it's not Christmas themed. Because this one has green and this one has red and green uh, in it. There Christmas you go. colors. There we go. All right. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, me and Mr. Combo will be back in a couple weeks. Until then, I got one last sound clip that I dug out from the archives before we go into uh, the outro, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Which is, I believe, Mr. Combo and I's second recording ever. <laughs>